Weirdos have to stick together. The show where a couple of weirdos talk all about she and the princesses of power. My name is Patch, unless my name was Patch last week, in which case I'm nobody. Uh, joining me is the most wanted criminal on Etheria. It's Chloe. How are you today, Chloe? Uh, doing pretty good. Get, getting used to being back at work full time again, but you know, it's it's a work in progress. We're getting there. Yeah, glad to hear it. Yeah, it's been weird being out for three weeks and then being like, oh, my desk is a different place, and what what. Why is there a bunch of extra papers here on my desk that are like like their mail that I'm not sure about? But also one of them is timestamp from October 2020. So <laughs> I think it's more like people were just going through like the desk around and being like, oh, this is close enough to Chloe's desk. It's got to be theirs. And then like being like, oh, it goes here. And then it's like, no, actually, it's not mine. <laughs> uh, I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah. I've been out of work for about nine months now. So like having a real job again is going to be a pain. <laughs> yeah. Also, I just checked. You are past this week because you were nobody last week. Okay, good to know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I looked at the website. <laughs> then they had to boot up the Twitter account just to look at that because I did not remember the URL off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they're pretty interchangeable, but I try to alternate weeks just for the sake of the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you're, inter- you're like accredited in the podcast as both names, so it makes sense to switch. Or to rather just at least use the one that you feel comfortable with at a moment's notice. Yeah, like, that's the whole thing with my name situation, is that I don't like one more than the other, you know? They're they're both me, so that, that's why I have two names, that's why I switch off. Yeah. It just, uh, for the sake of the show, I find it most convenient to continue switch-offing because, like, if I just pick one all the time, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And I know that may seem strange to our single-named listeners, but I don't really care, because that's how I do things. <laughs> hey, names can be whatever you want. You can have as many of them as you want. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's, uh, that's quite an adjustment, getting back to work. Uh, has anybody commented yet? <laughs> Uh, I know, I, but also I feel like nobody's really going to be like, Chloe, I can't help but notice that you're boobing a lot more compared to beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, to be fair, for the most part, I have been wearing like more like, uh, not, I don't want to say like thicker clothing, but definitely more like button-up shirts kind of deal, except for on Wednesday when I wore a dress for the first time again since uh, having the surgery. So it's like, I don't think... There's also not been as many people in the office because, you know, COVID times, they actually care enough. You know, most people that are actually there don't wear a mask, but uh, I digress. But, I mean, I, I again, I feel like it's, like, something that it's, like, probably, like, people are like, oh, yeah, Chloe seems, I think I know, realize what surgery Chloe had, but they're not going to say anything because, like, I feel like that's being pretty rude to, like, directly tell a person, like, yes, you got tits, huh? <laughs> but, at sa- but at the same time, if somebody were to go up to me and say, so you got tits, huh? I feel like I would just laugh and be like, yep. Yeah, I <laughs> know <me>. that feeling. <laughs> yeah, just being, like, the, the, the more like the, I guess, the directness of it. 
Like, as opposed to, like, kind of being coy about it, so it's like, oh, so I kind of know this what surgery you got there, and it's like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> like, so boobs, huh? And it's like, yeah, boobs. <laughs> yep. Listen, I hey, wish yeah. people had just done that at my last job. I got... <laughs> yeah. Good six to I eight mean... months of people just talking about me behind my back and wondering what was up with my whole boob situation, and nobody ever ever bothered to, like just say something like or or do like any amount of research or like consider it's like oh maybe they're maybe they're a trans person well no i mean i'm glad that they didn't do that the the boss at that job was not a good i would not have I mean, been safe as an yeah <laughs> true fair yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah no it's like i mean i don't really like it's not like i like really like hidden any part of my presentation at my job i mean like my my like chat program like the icon is really just like it's a combination of the non-binary and trans flags so it's like i feel like at the least people that like contact me on there probably notice the white pink and uh no not yeah the white pink and blue and be like okay i think i recognize that flag somewhere at the least or be like oh okay i know what that one is because like i mean my email uh signature also says like chloe they she on it so it's like I feel like most people will probably at the least like can figure out two and two and be like oh chloe's queer of some flavor even if they don't know the non-binary flag and like i mean the uh the two people like my two co-workers that were like training me initially like i did bring up both to both of them that's like oh yeah like it's been it's been a process coming out and everything so like they know at the least but like i feel like most of the people in the office don't <laughs> as much or at the least haven't haven't been as keyed in but also they're not on our team as much so it's like you know, it's more like people on like different like insurance claims teams or whatnot, or like the the tech guys and the maintenance guys, and it's like yeah, they they know my name. I know uh, some of their names. Kind of kind of forget a lot of the tech guys' names, unfortunately, because like I don't know as much of what people do there besides my own little team and like one person basically. Like I know Walter's name and that's it. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's like. Yeah, obviously nobody's really gonna point out like, yep, you got tits, huh? And it's like, yes, I have tits. That is typically what the thing of like what femme presenting people tend to have. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if people know the flags. If I'm honest, like, I, so I feel I... like people. I feel like with all the the bullshit about trans people going around with a bunch of people trying to take away our rights and access to HRT, I feel like most people probably at least recognize that flag. Maybe they don't know that it's a trans one at a side like just seeing it but they might like recognize that's like oh i know that that's like a queer flag of some sort well i don't think that's necessarily true because um so you know i used to sell chainmail right i got mm-hmm. multiple comments on my uh, etsy page on stuff that was like I-, I don't know a trans flag bracelet that would be like that's such a pretty design i was going to buy one but then i saw that you had listed it as a trans pride flag and so i can't get it because i didn't know that's what it was i just like the design uh, and uh, it it's to the degree that i've been advised multiple times to stop advertising them as queer materials and just suggest that people who know the flags will know what they are <laughs> you're just hiding uh, queer pride upon cishet people who aren't very clueless yeah yeah <laughs> like ah yes the force femming has begun <laughs> kind of deal <laughs> so you're just maniacally rubbing your hands together like you're fucking dr evil or something but yeah i mean i did not even that. I, did. I had that on a rainbow bracelet once 
And also, like, you feel like most people would at least notice, like, the rainbow flag or the progress flag. Because, like, that's more of the common ones. But yeah. I guess not. I mean, I literally did type into Google how many Americans know what the trans flag is. And I didn't actually come up with any results of, like, what, like, percentage of people know what it is. Yeah, I don't know how you would even measure that. So that might be a difficult statistic to get. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I guess... I mean, it's, like, more... I guess the the basis of what I can think of is that, like, of other, like, queer people I've talked to, like, they know, Obviously, they know the trans one, but, like, not as many people know the non-binary one. I mean, it's, like... It's even cases where I'm, like, yes, I know the colors of the ace and arrow and, like, demisexual and demi-romantic uh, ones, but I also couldn't tell you their orientation, necessarily. But also, I don't have those flags in my room. It's yeah. Thing. <laughs> I mean, I have the non-binary and the trans one, so I know those patterns because I've seen these flags for months now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think I wound up learning a lot more flags than people tend to just because I make so many for my chainmail business. But, like, yeah. you know, there's there's a bunch of them is the thing. <laughs> There are a lot, and people keep making variants of other ones, and, like, other, just in general, like, new ones of, like, yeah, this is the one for, like, I don't know, uh, sapphic people kind of deal. Yeah. Yep. I tell you this much, uh, I don't do the one with the labyrinth that is really hard to make in chainmail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine. I mean, considering how often you've said, of, like, how much time and effort goes into just making, like, one thing of chainmail that you usually make. I mean, it depends on what it is, right? If I'm doing one of my, uh, I call them the $20 bracelets, because that's how much I sell them for. That takes me about an hour to make, so that's not a huge deal. But that also doesn't allow for designs like the Labrys or the paw print for the bear flag or that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, limited by real estate, obviously. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, so that's... I don't remember how we got onto my chainmail business, but I'm still up for... Uh, my Etsy <laughs> store is closed, but DM me, I'll hit you up. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about flags, and that just came to... Like, that's right, yes, yes, yes. Not a lot of people not noticing that they're pride flags that you sell a lot of them as, even though, you like, until you, they noticed the naming. <laughs> My yep. brain pills are wearing off, so. <laughs> and I, and I uh, almost stayed up till 1am playing Splatoon, so my brain's also a little wonky. How fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it turns out the Squid Game is good. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to hear. Who would have thunk it? It being the third in an installment of a series that mostly has really not changed, aside from being a little bit more, like, uh, better design in most ways, because, like, <laughs> Hey, turns out when you get rid of the specials that make you invulnerable for a time, it's a better game. Weird. <laughs> and also when and also when you tend to put like closer range specials on the longer range guns, you actually convince people that they shouldn't just always hang back far away and actually like put themselves at risk cuz Splatoon <laughs> 2 had too many specials that were like long range specials on long range guns. I used one in particular. I used one that was like a like kind of mid to long range gun that had uh, the ink storm which is a big like rain cloud that just rains in a direction that you throw it so it's like i don't need to get close to people really to actually like deal with this stuff <laughs> but uh they changed it up a lot where it's like that same gun now has a like close range like uh it's kind of hard to describe it's called the wave breaker it's basically like a little like 
uh, it puts out like an AOE around it that does like a like marking system where it can like it uh, basically highlights where people are on the map that it that it hits and it also does like some damage to them. Mm -hmm. And it lasts sort of like maybe like three or four smacks of the uh, the pulse and everything before it goes away. But so it's like, oh, you gotta get close to people and actually have that be useful compared to just throwing it somewhere and having it do jack shit. Because at the least it can mark where the people are, so this way your team can go and kill them. So yeah, they've done they've done a lot to make it just a little bit more like better and more like functional. It's it's I don't want to say it's like a lazy version because like it doesn't have as much new stuff compared to Splatoon 2. Like especially going from one to two, but it's like I don't know. It, it's it's been long enough since Splatoon 2 that I feel like they can get away with it because it's already been five years. <laughs> that is like, quite a break. Yeah, and like uh, Splatoon 2's like updates and stuff ended at least two years ago, so it's like yeah, it's it's plenty of time. And also turns out uh, people like fucking Splatoon because it's like already the like uh broke a lot of records in terms of like best like launch weekend for switch games even compared to animal crossing so it's like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> people like splatoon a lot it turns out especially in japan people like a shooter of all things in japan <laughs> yeah but it's squish yeah. though <laughs> yeah to be fair it is like the colorful like 90s ass nickelodeon shooter with weird uh squid people and octo people yeah, that's, the apocalypse. <laughs> that's the thing that's always been like I've never been into Splatoon right that's not a game that mm -hmm. I can play because at least partly because I don't like playing games with other people but the, the, the brightness the colorfulness is always something that's been attractive to me as a property you just don't see that in a mm -hmm. lot of games these days and I miss oh, it oh yeah like it, it... Yeah, especially like when the first Splatoon got announced at like E3 2014, it's like that was in peak oh, yeah. brown and gray military shooters time. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> and then for Nintendo to be like, hey, check out this fucking uh, Nickelodeon games and sports ass shooter from Nintendo for your squids. And it's like, what <laughs> <"Not> the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. <laughs> It's a very strange game. I was talking to one of my roommates about it, just being like, oh yeah, it's like I've just been playing a lot of it, and like, just getting into just being like, sounding like a fucking maniac, being like, oh yeah, and there's like fucking swords that are made out of windshield wipers in this game, and it's, but it's like, that's, that's the thing. <laughs> it's one of the new weapon classes they put in it. It's weird. It's, it's a very strange game. <laughs> Especially to come out of Nintendo, who usually plays things very safely when it comes to like a lot of their like, you know, like, series in general of, like, stuff they put out where it's, like, you, you don't see them take as many, like, weird bonkers risks in terms of, like, making stuff, because, like, their last weird bonkers risk was arms and arms went nowhere. <laughs> Neat idea, but, yeah, didn't didn't last very long. Yeah. I mean, like, but, for them to I be, mean, like, yeah. Did it, like, <laughs> yeah. But it's, like, I mean, before Splatoon, it had been, like, I think the last time they had done, like, a new series was Animal Crossing, like, ages ago before Splatoon, so it's like, it had been a long time. And for them to come out and be like, yeah, we're making an online shooter as our next new property, it's like, the, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and, it's on, and it's on the Wii U, and it's somehow sold already like 5 million copies total on its lifetime on the Wii U, of all things. It's like, okay, people like that apparently enough to get, I mean, I, I like the, the idea of it enough to buy a Wii U, for specifically for Splatoon. Oh goodness. So, yeah. I bought a Wii U in May of 2015, like, like a year and a half before they killed the Wii U. 
literally, it was like that, that following October when they showed up the Switch announcement trailer, and I was like, well, I guess I'm gonna go ahead and get rid of my Wii U when it's still worth something to put towards the Switch, I guess, because, yeah. I didn't have, I mean, to be fair, I didn't have a lot of Wii U games. Like, I had Smash and uh, Mario Kart and Mario 3D World, which, you know, all either got ported or got sequels on Switch anyway. So it's like, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. I won't lie, I really liked the Wii U, but it's hard to retroactively justify the purchase, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, like, there's, like, two or three Wii U games that haven't gotten, like, ports or, like, sequels on Switch at this point. I mean, technically you can count Mario Maker 1 and Splatoon 1, but, like, they, they made sequels to those. They're not gonna port the originals over at this point, obviously. <laughs> but it's, like, it's really, like, Xenoblade X and, like... I think that shitty, like, Devil's Third game are, like, the only two Switch games that have- or uh, Wii U games that haven't been ported over to Switch. But it's, like... Xenoblade X is a weird one, I guess, because it's, like, it's... technically part of the Xenoblade trilogy, but also not, because it's, like, a separate thing, like, on a different- entirely, like, different world with different canon and stuff. <laughs> but, like, kind of, I guess, tied it together a little bit, especially with the DLC for Xenoblade 2, because, like, you could have, like, the main character in that game join your group as a blade. <laughs> and, like, the weirdest fucking thing, especially, is, like, three Xenoblade games, all of them except for the first one, using the term blade in some regard, because, like, Blade and X is, like, an or the organization you're a part of to, like, colon like help, like, explore the new planet that you're on. I don't want to say colonize. People are already there. You don't do colonization in that game. You're just basically... You're literally escaping Earth that got blown up by aliens. You're not doing a colonization. You're literally like, we need to just make sure that any bit of humanity doesn't die kind of deal. And uh, in 2, like, the blades are, like, the, the living weapon people. And in 3, the blades are, like, the weapons that they can summon themselves. So it's like, you, you can't just keep using the same term without them all being connected in some regard, right? It's like... <laughs> I don't know, maybe the DLC for 3 ties into the Xenoblade X of all things, who knows? We're not sure. <laughs> but it's but also, like, Xenoblade X is, like, a weirder installment in it, because, like, you don't really have, like, a, like... But you have, like, the main, like, supporting character, Elma, who's, like, basically the main character, but your character is, like, a, like, character that you design from the ground up, like, you determine, like, their appearance, and they never say anything, so they don't really have much to do in the story. And also, like, it's kind of like a weird like something like a mixture of like a like normal traditional jrpg with like a party but also with like weird like monster hunter kind of stuff of like you can t join up with other people with the character you create and team up is like a weird like multiplayer thing it's 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 the weirdest one of those games because it's not like the rest i guess and that <laughs> might be why they haven't brought it over as much because i don't think it did very well but also it was on the wii u so it didn't have a chance to do well yeah that's, you know, when I bought my Wii U, I got it at launch. And when I say I got it at launch, what I mean is I had to drive to every Walmart and Target and Best Buy and GameStop within a 50 mile radius because they were all sold out. <laughs> and yeah, that just really didn't seem worth all the effort in retrospect. Yeah, it's weird that you, I mean, I guess because it was a new console launch, I guess that's why it was sold out. And, like, sold out, right? Because, like, I mean, every console sells out at launch, technically. Yeah. Unless, unless it's, like, one of the, like, eight different, like, 3DS, <laughs> like, revisions. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh... Yeah, because, like, that was... That was 2012, right? The Wii U launched? 
Yeah, yeah, I think so because that sounds that sounds about right. Because yeah, 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 I just checked it because like the other castles were twenty thirteen because it was like a, the year before I was in Japan. Uh, trying to see. Curious now. I'm looking at the <laughs> sales to see because <laughs> I, I got to know now. Uh. It doesn't say anything about like long-term sales. It's just showing like by the end of December it had sold like 200,000 physical copies. That's not good. <laughs> hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't think Xenoblade X did very well, but also it was like, I mean, Xenoblade at that point was kind of a niche series because like people knew about the original game because it was like the, like part of that Project Rainfall to get like a game brought over, like outside of Japan and also like, and also outside of Europe because it was only like Japan and the UK for the longest time. And like people wanted to play it and like i mean that game was like one of those like few games on the wii like the metroid prime trilogy that gamestop was charging like 80 fucking dollars for a used copy because there were just not many of them made at all <laughs> but yeah no xenoblade really didn't start like really taking off in a big way till two i guess and two is the most divisive one because it's like weird and like has a bunch of stupid fan service and it's like we're more to more comical and stuff <laughs> so i don't know I mean, hey, I like 2D and all, but like Xenoblade 2 kind of has too much 2D at times. Oh my. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, the big, the big thing is that a lot of those, like, blades you can get that are, like, optional ones that you do from, like, the stupid, like, in-game gacha system. Some mm -hmm. of them are designed by, like, way different artists than, like, the people who worked on the main game. Oh. So you have just, like, characters with, like, very weird, like, different clashing art styles at the same time. And, like, I mean, some of them are just, like, this character's pose is just designed to show you as much titty as possible kind of deal. Like, you've probably have seen the infamous picture of, like, the rabbit lady with the huge tits whose, like, whole spine is just fucking busted so she can, like, just be posed in a weird way that shows her tits and ass at the same time. The thing is, that happens so often, I honestly could not say if I have or not. <laughs> True, yeah. That's a lot more talk about the Wii U than I think anyone has done since the Wii U came out. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, especially in the last five years ever since the Switch release, because, again, like, you gotta remember, the Switch is already five and a half years old. <laughs> like, what the fuck? How's it already been that long? <laughs> they don't seem like they're stopping with it, thankfully, because I don't want to have to get another console, because I only had to replace the Switch, like, two and a half years ago when my old one died. <laughs> or rather had that, like, weird heating problem that I had to replace it because the fucking repair center was closed because of COVID. Right. Made sense, and parts were <laughs> not anywhere at all. Like I, I, well, I did also try like six different fans to get it to work, but it's like it seemed like it was more of like a like inner hardware failure that was causing the fan to not kick on rather than the fan itself. But it's like yeah, no, nothing I could figure out could do it, and then like eventually I was just like, I guess I just have to go to eBay and hope that I can find not as bad of an offer on a new Switch, and I had to pay a two hundred dollar fucking markup on a Switch <laughs> during the. Look, this was this was like weeks after Animal Crossing released, so I was like, I I and I have like easily like over a thousand dollars of video games purchased onto this account on the Switch. Like, I can't just let this thing just sit here as a brick and do nothing. <laughs> that that was half my stimulus check. <laughs> wow. There was that too. There was that at least. It was like, well, well, technically, I guess the stimulus check was like twelve thousand, like twelve hundred, I think, in America at the time. So it's like, well, it was like, that was like basically half of it, and uh, Ali's final vet visit and uh, like uh, cremation were the other half. Ah. 
Because that also happened like right like two days after the new switch arrived. It was like that's when Ali stuff really started going off and had to put to sleep. See, bummer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pet pet death sucks. Would not recommend. Well, um, yeah, I think uh, unmooring your pets from physical time is probably the best way to do that. So. Yep. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't have a good transition away from that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all right. I mean, yeah, no, I, I, I went in and accidentally made it weird because that's just, yeah, no, it's one of those things that's like, yeah, you just remember like the events that happened around the same time. It's something that's like, oh, yeah, that was like literally like <laughs> right around the same time that Ali passed away. Mm-hmm. Sex. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um... Shit, shit happens, unfortunately. Yeah, it uh, it surely does do sometimes. I this is obviously nowhere near the same, but I mentioned last week that I was volunteering at a community center uh, at their library, and uh, I went back today, and uh, I couldn't do the work they wanted me to because no one had the login information. So <laughs> it feels like maybe they're just not very organized over there. Things happen. <laughs> I mean, you said that their, like, tr- uh, way of tracking what books were in and out is really a fucking, like, notebook. Yes, yes. So yes. Rather than, like, a digitized system. So, uh, maybe a little, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a small library that people have just put together on their own. So I don't, I'm not surprised they don't have a digitized system. It's not, like, I wouldn't expect most people to have that, you know what I mean? But that's that's the work I'm supposed to be doing for them, except they already made their account and they can't tell me how to get into it. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess there's that. So Yeah, it is what it is. I managed yep. to get in contact with the person who designed the thing in the first place, so well hopefully next week I'll actually get some work done. <laughs> <laughs> Here's helping. Yeah, that's pretty much everything I did this week, unless you want to talk about playing Infamous 2, which I have been doing. <laughs> you already uh, shared in, the, in that chat uh, the uh, not-great racist stereotype of a character. Yeah. <laughs> which, uh, 2009, I think, in that game's case, right? Or 2011? Uh, 2011, I think, for the sequel. It's really frustrating because just about everything about the game is better in every way, except because this game actually has some writing in it, there's room for them to be racist. <laughs> mm-hmm. In the first game, that wasn't really there, just because there was the, the writing wasn't in-depth enough for it to be racist. It was just yeah. like, <laughs> run in a straight line and shoot a bunch of dudes. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... it's uh, yeah, no, it's that early like 2010s kind of thing where it's like... I mean, like, hey, a year after this game released, uh, you have uh, Battletech Infinite with the uh, very uh, <laughs> not great portrayal of a bunch of people in that game a lot of the time. Yeah. That is to say, like, basically all the time, because it's like, I mean, like, the the actual, like, main, like, person of color in that game literally exists just to be killed by the female lead to advance her story. Mm-hmm. Yay! Super! <laughs> the worst part of it, in my humble opinion, is that this character, the, the racist depiction character, is extremely 
in the right most of the time. It, you know what I mean? It's very much the mm-hmm. Marvel disease. She's Everything she says is right. She says, don't give the cops weapons. She says, don't turn them loose on the city. And then she says... Which is, let's... Which is true, yes. <laughs> which is true, yes. And then she says, let's burn a bunch of civilians to death instead. Uh, no. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> you, you lost me, lady. I'm, I'm with you on the pro-police stuff, but not with the burning people. Yeah, it's it's just so support-the-troops mentality, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's kind of like how, like, for a bit here, I've been, like, being like, oh, I could play that Marvel Spider-Man game again from 2018, because it's on PC now, but at the same time, it's like, oh, I really hope there's a mod out there that gets rid of all the copaganda bullshit in it. <laughs> or, or, like, even if it's just, like, reskinning them to just be, like, normal people you help, rather than cops. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how a cop again the Miles Morales is, but I think that's not on PC just yet. I think that comes out on PC in December. I want to say. I. But I've been curious to play. Don't... I've been curious to play that just because I like Miles as a character. I don't remember there being a lot of cops in Miles Morales, but I think like the main difference that I recall at the very least is that in the original Spider-Man game, you're like required. Well, not required, but one of the main things on the map is to set up a surveillance network for the police in order to get the map. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and Miles Morales does it's... not have that. His superheroing happens through an app that he made, so... That's that's a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's cool. He programmed his own superhero app. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm more curious to play that one just because I haven't actually played it because, like, I mean, it was only ever on, like, the Sony consoles up till now for the basically yeah. i mean like it's only been two years but still Listen, but it's like yeah i'm more curious to play that because i just haven't played it at all i got a ps5 and there are like three ps5 games i had to play it <laughs> yeah that's that's kind of still a problem it's like what are the other games that you actually like what are the ps5 like like games that you actually have for a ps5 i guess um uh assassin's creed valhalla <laughs> <laughs> Which is available on fucking everything. Uh-huh, yep. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, I, I like for the longest time, I was, like, going... I was doing the fucking stupid, crazy bullshit around the time the PS5 launched trying to find one and, like, the stupid fucking Sony raffles and everything of, like, being able to actually have a chance to buy one. But, like, over, over just, like, weeks of just being, like, fucking angry and frustrated at that bullshit, eventually I was just like, you know what, fuck it, I just don't care as much. Because, like, the only thing I was going to play on it at that point was going to be the Demon Souls remake. And even then, it's like, the Demon Souls remake didn't look that interesting. And, you know, because, like, I mean, it was part of the port job of them, like, kind of, like, taking away a lot, like, the fog and other stuff of it that actually, like, really made Demon Souls interesting. Yeah. Really, I know the fog was a limitation at the time because it was PS3. I understand that. But it's, like, a lot of that. It's just, like, a lot of the stuff of, like, just, like, their UI designs are just being so, like, boring and everything in that, too. Eventually, just, like, Time made me just be frustrated with trying to find the PS5, and also, I mean, Elden Ring's out now. I'm sure trying to go back to Demon Souls would be just hard. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so it's like, I mean, yeah, I, I'm pre- I'm sure. I don't know if even going back to Dark Souls would be something that would be that easy these days, considering that it's like, yeah, Elden Ring exists. You have a fucking dedicated jump button in Elden Ring compared to Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so different already, just based on that. <laughs> Not having to sprint and then pressing the sprint button again to jump in a Souls game. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's like, I mean, when it also comes down to it, it's like, I'm also just not as interested in Sony's, like, output. Like, I, I, I played that first Horizon game, I'm not really curious to play the second, because, like, 
I, I played it more because it's like, oh, this seemed like interesting, and then like I, by like about the halfway point, I was like, I'm just gonna shotgun the story and just be done with this. I'm I'm, I'm not as interested in the side stuff because there's just a bit too much of it. Yeah, you made it further like, than I did. Yeah, yeah, I guess there's that, but like, uh, I mean, I I also don't care as much to play Ratchet and Clank, but that's also because like again, like Insomniac is actually not the best studio. Obviously, I know they also did the Spider-Man games, but like. I don't know. The Ratchet and Clank is also just a franchise that it's like, yeah, it's kind of you'd only really play it once. I don't see there's like as much of an appeal to play the games again, I guess. And also those games are like eight or ten hours long. <laughs> so, I don't know. I guess I'm just not interested in that too. But then I'm like, kind of sitting here being like, what else do they have? I know they have the new God of War coming out in like two months, but I also didn't care much for... Like, God, God, like Dad of Boy was the most interested I was in God of War, because I never played any other games, because I just didn't give a shit about the, like over-the-top, brutal, like, hack-and-slash stuff of the old games. <laughs> but I also only ever got halfway through that before I was like, I, I feel like I'm done. You tell me Kratos is, like, this immortal super guy, and meanwhile he dies in two hits, I, I don't buy it as much. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I don't know. They, they, they seem like they're in, like, just a weird position, because I feel like they just don't have, like, a, like... They don't have, like, their mascot, I guess, anymore, is the thing. Like, because, yeah. like, Microsoft still has Master Chief as much as, like, Halo Infinite doesn't seem like it's in a great position at the moment, and <laughs> Nintendo has Ma Mario, but it's like, what's, what's Sony's face of that? <laughs> uh, Cole McGrath. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Cole McGrath is not a character. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I don't even think... You could really even say it would be like, I guess it the closest would be Kratos, I guess, or Ratchet, but like I feel like they don't have as much wide appeal as like everybody knows Master Chief and everybody yeah. knows Mario. I feel like not as many people would probably be able to identify Ratchet or Kratos if you just showed a picture of them to people. Well, I don't know. Kratos is pretty recognizable, I guess. Uh, maybe his older design, probably a little, like, I guess, I guess a little bit these days, because, like, I mean, that first, uh, got a word, like, whatever you want to call, reboot or whatever, even though it's content, content, uh, continuation, or, no, continuity, what am I talking about, <laughs> wrong word, I guess it's, I mean, it's still tied to the same thing, but, like, I guess, like, he has, like, a slightly different design, even though he's still recognizable as Kratos, but, like, I feel like his older design, like, more people probably know, just because there were so many more games of him with that older design. Yeah, but he looks mostly better the beard, with the I beard. guess. Yeah. And also, actually, like having a shirt on, even though he's in like, <laughs> he he mostly still doesn't have a shirt on. Actually, now I think about it, even though he's in like a snowy place. <laughs> <laughs> but he's in the mortal god being. He probably doesn't actually feel the cold. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah. But then again, yeah, it might also be horrible if I don't know. Well, I mean, like, technically, spoilers for God of War, I mean, he did, like, marry a frost giant lady, so I guess it, maybe he's not powered by the cold as much. <laughs> That's fair. I was just thinking, yeah. like, if the cold doesn't affect you at all, then it might be kind of miserable on a really hot day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, he's in, like, Norse mythology place where the second game is, like, about, like, Ragnarok, so I don't think there's been as much, like... There's, like, a few areas that are, like, don't have snow, but it's, like, in, like, places that are associated with, like, other gods, like the, uh, uh, the mom of, not Thor, but Thor's, like, cousins. You, you fight, like, Thor's two cousins at one point in that game, and you definitely murder the hell out of one of them. 
Uh, God, I don't remember their names. Like, one of them is, like, the guy that you fight as, like, the first, like, major battle at the start. Like, when you're just trashing, like, Kratos' like, hut during the whole fight, too. <laughs> He's like, called the stranger at that point, so they don't actually know his name. I forget his name. God, I don't remember. Also, I'm also starting to think back to, like, 2018, to be fair. <laughs> A lot of shit has happened in the last few years alone, let alone trying to think back twice as long compared to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> well, that's, uh... Yeah. We've covered a lot of ground already, but uh, <laughs> I feel like there's still to... one thing in particular. I feel like there's one thing in still in particular we have to cover before we get to Shira, though, right? Yeah, yeah, there really, <laughs> it's kind, really is. It's kind, kind of a big bit of uh, news related to the thing that started this whole podcast, anyway. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, because because uh, we know when the first special airs. Unfortunately, they confirmed they're not airing all the specials back to back. It's we're have to wait till twenty twenty three for the other two. Oh, did they confirm that? I'd only seen it from a third party it, it, source. It, it, I did see a tweet officially from like twi- uh, Disney's official Twitter. Oh no! Saying, yeah, unfortunately, it is confirmed. Like it was like posted four hours ago from them directly. Like yes, unfortunately, the other two are twenty twenty three. Okay, well. So we do have to wait, but but hey, at least we at least the technically the rumor of like us getting Arrowhead back in October ended up being true in some regard. <laughs> at least at least we get the first special of uh, thanks to them in that month in just like four weeks, exactly a month from today yeah. is when it theirs. because <laughs> today's the fifteenth. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be. We're gonna have the worst release schedule because we're gonna finish this season of Shira, <laughs> and then do a special, and then the next season of Shira, and probably series three, and then the next L special, and. <sighs> well, I mean, probably not the full like whatever series you do after this, like, but, but like I mean, we're probably like I mean, assured that we're gonna finish Shira before the next special would be out. Oh yeah, so absolutely. Like we're, gonna be, we're gonna be in the middle of like a show that we continue <laughs> that we do after Shira when we have to stop again. It really depends and then, on like, what we'll show probably... it is we pick, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and there's some shows that we could get probably quickly through, but also the other ones that we would talk about it's like, oh this would be like over half a year. Yeah. <laughs> with that one, <laughs> one. Yeah. It'd be long. But yeah, no, it, it it seems like we might actually be getting a bit of a time skip, huh? Because, like, they have different hair. Or at least, in some cases, they have, like, longer hair. Or, like, Hunter has a haircut for the first time in his life. Oh, well. (laughs) It doesn't take long to give a feral child a haircut. (laughs) No, but it takes a while for Amity to have enough hair that her, like, forehead is covered now. Yeah. (laughs) Which is something I definitely saw people point out. Of, like, she actually had her hair grow in for once. That she... You don't see Amity's entire hair, like, forehead. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I posted that tweet about somebody being like, what if the season three opening is, like, loose, like, it's already, like, post-time skip, and it's loose, like, narrating stuff to happen, and, like, a video to eat it, like, she did to her mom in the season two ep- opening, and that would just destroy me if they do that. <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I mean, this show's already destroyed me enough as is, I wouldn't put it past them to be like, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Yeah, no reason yeah, not to. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh it's it's exciting, but also it's a little bit uh it's a little heartbreaking that it's like yeah, it's like technically we're not getting all the episodes back to back, but we are at nearing the end, basically. Yeah. It's like yeah, we, we, we know when one of the last three episodes airs. I don't want to, it's too much knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> 
Just... But to have them all back to back, or to have to like sit on one for months. <laughs> To, to know when it's going to happen. This is a uh, burden man was not meant to carry. <laughs> would, it, would it have been better or worse if they had just dropped it on like a day and just been like, hey, by the way, this is out there now. Yes, that would it. be perfect. I would love that. <laughs> yeah, that, that, would be the, that would be the most chaotic Dana energy she could possibly do. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, that would be if she leaked her own show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she's like, fuck Disney. It's all out now. Fuck them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. I love like, it. It's like all the times. It's all the times. It's like all the times that she used to like uh, retweet the uh, the torrent site that I've been like posting everybody else to. <laughs> just being like, especially like during like when like all the backlash about the Don't Say Gay bill was going on. Just her being like, yeah, don't support them at this moment. They've really fucked over my show. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Watch it on this site instead. And also, I'm pretty sure Matt Bradley was doing the same with the Amphibia version of that same site. Yeah, probably. <laughs> because also he too was like, "Yeah, don't fuck them. They are they are fucking over my friend's show." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't. To my recollection, I don't think they actually like really fucked with uh, Amphibia, but I feel like I feel like uh, they definitely also pushed back a little bit of like having more like representation in that show comparatively, because like. I mean, it's like it's like the little thing where it's like, yeah, you had to like kind of like blinking, you miss it, seeing that like Sasha's by in the epilogue kind of thing, where it's like, yeah, they couldn't like have her be as interested in girls throughout the show, I guess. Yeah. And, but yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Obviously, I wasn't in the room, but every show we've gotten that actually has some progress there, be it Steven Universe or Owl House or Korra or any of them, the creators always talk about how hard they had to fight the networks and push and push and push and push to yeah. get their information in. And so I kind of just wonder if maybe they just didn't have that for Amphibia, you know? If no one was fighting, then maybe it just didn't make yeah. it in. <laughs> I mean, Matt Bradley has, like, talked uh, pretty much on, a lot on Twitter, like, really implying that they are all gay or, or queer of some kind, yeah. basically ever since, like, the show ended. So it's like... Yeah, I don't know. It's like, at the same time, it's like how much of that is actually kind of cause it's not actually in the show. Yeah, but that's like, kind of like what I'm pointing at, you know? Uh, implying on Twitter afterwards, not even saying it on Twitter afterwards. It's yeah. not. <laughs> like, I mean, he, he definitely had a little bit of fun with people always, like, bringing up the whole, like, in whatever episode Sasha Wayback will be revealed as being into girls or something like that, where he made fun of that a little bit when the finale aired what he said in, in the uh, All In episodes, Sasha White by Robbie revered to be attracted to women. He actually did post that, but at the same time, he's like, yeah, but that's also because they had that in the show proper. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's always that like be thing of like, well, how much of it is actually like canon canon because it's not in the context of the show <laughs> compared to what's actually in the show. Yeah, exactly. It, it, yeah, it's it's like I think back to like the uh, the time when Dana said that Rain is trans mask, but it's like yeah, but they never they don't. I mean, they don't have to say that in the show, but like it's not in the show. I don't want so them to like, say it in the show. Yeah, so it's like we really can't like fully like say that they are considering that like it's not in the show yeah. <laughs> compared to what the show creator is saying. So it's like it's that weird middle ground of like can we or can't we kind of situation where it's like eh. I don't think that I don't think Disney will ever let them actually have a character say they're trans in any of their shows ever. Despite 
despite how much they actually are starting to like at least like give a bit of wiggle room, but I feel like they don't go that far. Because it's still Disney. It will happen eventually. I'm sure it will. But it's going to be a fight. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to take a bunch of creators like Dana really fighting tooth and fucking nail for years still, I feel like, before they can do that. Yeah, that's... I mean, you think you think back to like how much uh, Rebecca Sugar had to fight to let Ruby and Sapphire kiss on screen in TV Universe to the point where that actually got the show like preemptively like c- canceled slash rushed to the ending kind of deal. Because I mean, like they literally go from that to all right, time time to deal with the diamonds, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then like hey, at least they got to like at least like broaden out a little bit with Steven Universe future. But, like, I mean, Steven the future is more like, well, how's, uh, how's Steven dealing with the fact that he was literally having to fight an intergalactic war when he was 12? <laughs> <laughs> Turns out, not great. <laughs> not great long-term when you have to do that. <laughs> yeah, uh, that show makes me cry a lot, too. <laughs> <sighs> yep, he, he's, a, he's a sad poor boy. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's... It's on the list, and I won't comment on what we do next. <laughs> yeah, we, we've been talking about some options. Because, like, I guess technically it's my pick next, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, She-Ra was kind of my thing, so... Yeah, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of a weird middle ground, because, like, we both agreed upon Arrow House first, and then we both agreed on She-Ra second, so it's, like... It's, it's, it's strange, but also at the same time, it's, like, more, like... I know that you're the one that came up with the idea of like fueling Owl House first, and like it was, but it was also kind of more me being like, "Fuck yeah, let's do that." And like, viewers, <laughs> like with, I mean, I was definitely more being like, "Oh, I never actually finished watching Shira entirely," so it's like when you presented that idea. But it's like it, it feels like it was like more like, yeah, universally agreed upon. Which obviously we would do that anyway yeah, with any show I mean, we watch because we don't want if it to you bring be up like something one person. I absolutely don't want to watch. I'm gonna say yeah. something, but. It's like, it's like early on I feel the idea of what's watching the Mega Man Battle Network anime and you're just like, nah. <laughs> or like Gundam when you're just not into Gundam either. But also like, n- none of them are gay. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> there, 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 might, there might be gay in the next one, but also it starts a female character. So that's already at least something different for Gundam because they don't star female characters or let female characters ever fucking do anything in Gundam. <laughs> Besides be fawning over the main dude regardless of their age all the time so yeah i don't know yeah gundam gundam doesn't have a great great tracker with female characters doing shit (laughs) unfortunately yeah i don't know my point is i was very much the she-ra defender so whatever we do next i think will probably uh be more of a your pick if that makes sense (laughs) yeah but obviously we're not gonna just be like oh i want to do this even if you hate it (laughs) yeah that would make yeah. the show difficult if one of us just hated it so much. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> make it a little difficult. I could see us continuing if one of us, like, disliked something, but if we actually hated it, that would be... <laughs> yeah, it, it's like how, like, you know, like, we've been talking about it at times just with, like, Steph and she where it's like, we don't... We haven't, like, gone as much into, like, talking about the episodes as much when we're done, I feel like, with she but also there's just, like kind of less i feel like and like part of that is because she was like designed as like more of a like younger audience kind of show i guess than like it's weird to think about that being like a, a younger show than owl house in the sense considering that the characters in owl house are younger <laughs> but at the yeah. same time the shit that pops off and out in like owl house is way crazier than she-ra <laughs> well i'm gonna be real here she-ra as much as i love this show 
Sheet Raw to me is the last two seasons. Like starting today, we are in the yeah, Sheet Raw I, that I want. To I, be I mean, watching. I mean, yeah. Like we, like so much when we were in season two, we were like, yeah, it's it's uh, it's, it's an episode where Frost is being too over eager. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. What else happens then? Oh, not much else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like once they like really got into the the Crimson Waste in season three, it's like okay, things are starting to pick up. There's there's shit about like the end times that this portal turns on but it's like yeah it's like it definitely feels like it's like ramping up more again in this in these few yeah absolutely uh, especially that we actually had a character die actually which, <laughs> again we didn't dwell on that as much as being like yeah angela's dead rip but at the same time we were both like yeah but also she kind of sucked <laughs> <laughs> like yeah it's sad but also she kind of sucked and just sat around on her ass the last three seasons anyway yeah, but I think that was a cool move, though, because, like, Justin, so she, Angela can't do much because our main characters are the teenagers, and if Angela interferes, yeah. then that causes problems for the audience. Yeah, if she if she, if she she gets involved, not only is she taking the spotlight away from them, but she's also managing to get things done right because she's way more powerful and smarter. Exactly. <laughs> so I think killing her off was a great move. <laughs> Yeah, like, Glimmer herself lampshades in this first episode that they're terrible at quests, and it's like, yes, you are right, Glimmer. Y'all are bad at this stuff all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, we should probably get into it. It's been almost 50 minutes, That's right? true. It's <laughs> late. Let's get started. <laughs> it's, it's late. We've talked a lot about the Sony and Splatoon and stuff. <laughs> Like I said at the time, my talked to... brain pills are wearing off. <laughs> yeah, weird that I was like, oh, we're going to talk about the the poster and the announcement way more than anything, and then it turns out we talked about Sony more than anything, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we've got... We're going to talk about Owl House more. No we worries talked, there. We talked, to, yeah, we talked about the Wii U more than the Owl House Season 3 stuff. <laughs> well, it's just what a poster. Fuck? We don't even have a trailer yet. There's only so much you can pull out of the poster. Well, I don't think I don't think we're going to get a trailer, because like, we got... We got like a like slight trailer for season two A where it was like it was like sw- like really quick shots of like some stuff like we saw like the the Lumini handhold in it but like no context for it but we didn't get one for su- for season two B I don't think we get a season three trailer at all ooh interesting I think we did yeah, like, I think we have to because since there was a break I, people aren't gonna know there, it's airing if they don't have trailers there there might be a trailer that's just like a like just like a whole like hey owl house continues on this day but doesn't actually show anything from the episodes because i feel like showing anything would not only potentially be spoilers for people who are current, but also i feel like show a bit too much of like where we're at which the poster itself already kind of shows that i guess so if like yeah they have different era designs because it implies that time has passed mm-hmm. but we're not sure how much time like probably know it could be like a month it could be a year who knows <laughs> Like, Amity's roots are growing out the top of her head, but she also doesn't have the roots on her sides anymore compared to, like, what her hair used to be ever since she died it. Right. But it's like, yeah, but who knows? Like, from what people pointed out, it's like, it's either the shading or it looks like Kamiya might have, like, some gray streaks in her hair. Not not really sure, just because it's a, it's a dark-colored poster. So we're not fully certain. <laughs> so that implies time. A lot, or she's just being driven crazy by stress of having five, right? I got six kids in her house <laughs> compared to one. Poor <laughs> uh, Kimia. Por- por- <laughs> like, how could she support six kids for a long time? <laughs> I mean, she is a vet. She does make at least good, good money. I mean, she has her own house as a single mom, but still. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's a lot of mouths to feed. Yeah. Hey, at least Luce has the bunk beds so that they can actually have like some decent beds for most of them, at least. <laughs> uh, but why'd she have that bunk bed to start with? <laughs> Unless she was just like the kind of kid who's just like, I want bunk beds so, so I can choose which one I want to sleep in. <laughs> kind of deal. I always wanted I a know. bunk bed so I could build a cave underneath the top one. Ah, uh, that's fun. <laughs> I, I had I had bunk beds growing up, but I was always on the bottom one. My brother was on the top, and it sucked. <laughs> it was annoying. I didn't. I just wanted them because of the dramatic appeal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's the same appeal of, like, making, like, a pillow fort with blankets and stuff when you're a kid. Yeah. You want to have your, like, you want to have your cool fort that's, like, on the couch and, like, being held up by a chair on the other end and has some pillows and stuff. <laughs> uh. Okay. Yeah, it's um, much like how it's much like it's much like how I want like one of those like uh, ferret or chinchilla like hammocks, but size up for a human, but not like a normal ass hammock. I want like more like the kind that's actually like the soft, fluffy ones that they can have that they can burrow into. But as an adult, because I just want to live like a little rat at times, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I actually am going to start now though because. Okay. <laughs> like we're all over the place. We got to Shira and then we bounced yeah, right yeah, back yeah. off of it. So <laughs> Yeah. <sighs> Fifty five minutes into our recording. <laughs> I mean we were even like originally when we like we were like, Oh, we should start and meanwhile I had my recording going for like ten minutes <laughs> to start again because we had not actually started started. <laughs> okay. So, uh, <laughs> my episode today is season four, episode one, uh, The Coronation. And we open in Glimmer's bedroom as she gets ready for a new day. Uh, her hair is different, she's got a new outfit, uh, her character model is updated for the new season. Huzzah! Yeah, she actually also has that in the intro, and, uh, Angela is replaced by Mara. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of Mara. Yeah, they sure did get she's rid not... of her quick, huh? We're, we're finding out still, she's not dead. She's just gone. She's just trapped in between dimensions. She's not dead dead. Jeez. At least we don't know if she's already starved to death or something. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess that brings up the better question of, like, is, like, being trapped between, like, you know, like between dimensions, is that, like, is that, like, a timeless prison? Like, do you actually still, like, age and get hungry and stuff in there? Or do you just, like, is time and your body, like, physically frozen or something where you don't actually get hungry and age we will never know she, she is effectively for real dead <laughs> fun i mean they treat it like that they're definitely like oh yeah no she's toast <laughs> yeah absolutely um it was like technically no she's just stuck somewhere and can't get out <laughs> if you really tried hard i'm sure entrapta could actually figure out a way to get her out with enough time probably maybe maybe <laughs> well yeah, so uh, uh, Cast a Spell bursts into the room and says that Glimmer is needed in the war room immediately. So they just book it through the halls with guards scattering everywhere. And at the war room, they meet Adora and Bo, who remind Glimmer that whatever she decides, she, that they'll be there for her. But she has to make a decision now. And she picks a cake to be served at the coronation. Um, everyone laughs about how seriously they took this, but Glimmer is not on board very much with this, understandably. Uh, I feel like this is partly why the Rebellion has failed to stop the Horde for over 30 years, because they're just fucking about with stuff like this sometimes. Yeah, honestly. It's like, 
Like, you, you don't have to make this as much of a big deal as it is for the coronation. It's like, you could be putting the effort and time and, and money into doing this to putting into your war effort. <laughs> yeah, like, this Maybe is the only time you... we've really seen the rebellion serious <laughs> true, about true, anything. True, I guess, yeah. <laughs> because every other time the rebellion has had to do something, it's always just been, send the kids, don't worry about it. And here we've yeah. got all the guards and cast a spell and all trying to get this organized slay. <laughs> Yeah, like they they have like I guess is Cast a spell at this point like the head sorcerer. Uh, yeah, she's like, the leader or the right. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 I don't know what to call yeah, it. Yeah, because because the previous like head sorcerer definitely got like t turned into like interdimensional like goop or whatever by Shadow Weaver in that flashback. Well, sure, but that was like twenty years ago, so I assume there's been a couple in the interim. Probably yeah, yeah, but like yeah, it's uh. It's just like they're just putting so much fucking effort into this and like stuff like Princess Prime where it's like if you put in nearly this much effort maybe you would have to stop Tordak ages ago. Because <laughs> the Horde also seems pretty incompetent. <laughs> At times, depending. Uh, yep. Yeah. yeah, sure indeed. Jeez, uh, now I'm just trying to remember that wizard guy's name. <sighs> It doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I don't even think we bothered to, like, get down his name for, like, voice actor stuff in an episode because he's just fucking dead in that same episode. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, nope, it's too late. I went down the rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> uh, da -da -da. I'm not adding his voice actor to the trivia. You can't make me. <laughs> I thought you already did him. <laughs> I don't think I did. Norwin. <laughs> that was the dude. Norwin, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure I remember I do not remember typing the name Norwin in my notes. <laughs> okay, well, because you covered that episode, so I'm pretty sure I did not write that name at all. So I don't think I recovered his voice actor. Fair enough. Um, yeah. So after the credits, uh, Glimmer's just kind of standing at the window, monologuing at herself. But Bo and Adora are behind her, so it's it's weird. She's clearly talking to herself, but they're responding to her. And uh, she's just talking about how she never thought this day would really ever come, and she didn't think she'd ever be queen, and that Queen Glimmer is weird to say anyway, and they say that they'll be there for her, but Casta appears and drags her away to meet some guests who are already arriving. Uh, Dora is frustrated because she thinks that this should be a perfect day for Glimmer because it's her dang coronation, dang it, and it isn't fair that she's stuck thinking about her dead mom. <laughs> so... <laughs> Trapped mom, technically not dead. <laughs> Is that the episode title, technically not dead? <laughs> I guess we'll see based on whatever you else we cover. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think maybe Adora just doesn't get how mourning works because she, her, her move here is to decide that they should keep Glimmer from ever thinking about her mom again. <laughs> And uh, this is effectively a Glimmer's Mom is Dead party, and she just does not get that. So <laughs> It really is in a lot of ways. I mean, it's like... I mean, we don't get the context for like how much time between Season 3 and now has passed, but probably not very long, right? Yeah, I mean, a coronation... I don't know. It would depend on the country, but traditionally it happens pretty fast, within like yeah, three to five I, I days. Mean, yeah, I mean, uh, Charles is already king, huh? Well, I mean, kind of. He hasn't had his coronation yet, so... Yeah, but but they basically have just already declared him king, even if he's not technically crowned. Yeah, him, basically. I, I don't think yeah. his coronation's actually going to happen until next year, so 
if you want to be technical, I mean, about I can, it, be I can believe no it because it, I can believe it considering that it seemed like it's gonna already be like a whole month of them refusing to let anybody in the whole entirety of UK actually do anything. Yeah. Until then, <laughs> so it's, I mean, it's like God, you already saw the thing I posted where it's like two football teams or whatever or baseball i forget which one it was like getting in trouble for having a practice game or something over the weekend mm -hmm. and it's like jesus fucking christ let people do something besides sit around and be like oh big shame that the shitty colonizer is dead huh yeah rip <laughs> it's like jeez who not most people don't give a fuck <laughs> i will say uh good news canada's not putting uh charles on their money so <laughs> good <laughs> I mean, Justin Trudeau is still trying to claim, like, it's such a sad thing when it's like, oh, boy, no. <laughs> Actually, you don't have to... Everybody doesn't have to, like, bend the knee at a fucking monarch dying just because they were shitty and invaded most of the world at one point or another. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's also been, like, like, some of the energy for the last week has been weird because it's like, yeah, like, it's been the talk of the fucking internet for so long, and it's only been a week. Yeah. It feels so much fucking longer. But then to be like, oh, yeah, no, that was, like, literally the day before Splatoon 3 released. That was a week ago. Damn. What the fuck? Honestly, like, <laughs> somebody died. We should be over it by now. I'm not trying to be rough, but it's not like any of us knew the queen, you know? Yeah, no, like, none of us were tied to her, and also, like, most of us, especially us in particular and the people in our Discord, know she was a piece of shit. Everybody knows that monarchs are pieces of shit. And yet there's still, like, some subsection of people that are just like, no, you gotta praise the ground they were on. And you're not allowed to eat, sleep, or breathe, or do anything for a whole year because they died, and whatever. It's like, move the fuck on! Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, no, I get sad at times thinking about my ferrets being gone and all, but that's because I also knew them. Because I literally raised them ever since they were two months old, I had them. That sucks. I didn't know the, sh the fucking queen, and I don't give a shit to know the queen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's a corpse now, who gives a fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh. That might be the episode title, She's a corpse. <laughs> It applies to both her and Angela, huh, right? Because they're acting like Angela's dead. We, we, we need to stop getting distracted. We need to move the fuck up. Maybe a little. Um, yes, so uh, 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 they all regroup with Glimmer and Castispella, and Castispella explains that Glimmer now has to do a ceremonial quest before making her first speech as queen and then a big party. Adora is thrilled to hear that there is a quest because they are great at those. Um, they're not. <laughs> They really are not. <laughs> I don't know the what you're talking alive about. Is because they, they, they all have the lucky feet. That's the only way they have all that to survive this long. <laughs> or their GM was just like, quests. look, their DM was like, look, y'all suck at this. You all get a free feat. You all get lucky. <laughs> because uh, short of me having an actual like d divine being join the group to keep you on the path forward and make sure you don't die, y'all are gonna die. <laughs> So you all get lucky feats. <laughs> yeah, so this uh, this quest is how the Queens of Bright Moon essentially forged their connection to the Moonstone. In Glimmer's case, it's reforging. But uh, yeah, since she and Angela were both bound to it, both their powers were less potent, but this ritual will establish Glimmer as the elemental princess of sparkles, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, did they did they ever establish like? Because I mean, like we know Perfume is plants and Frost is like ice and stuff, and Rus is water. Did they ever like establish really what the Moonstone is tied to? Uh, not really. No, uh, I mean Angela's thing was just 
being immortal and having wings and glimmers is sparkles. Yeah, uh, also, so. also, also I want to bring that up. Does is does is it like an elf situation where it's like yeah, elves live for a long time and half elves live to be like two hundred or something? Does Glimmer have a very long lifespan because she's like, you know, her mom was this supposedly immortal being? I don't. Or is that something they also so. never get to? <laughs> like, okay, so the thing is, <laughs> Angela is said to be the immortal queen. That's like her whole thing, right? So I feel like she somehow knew she was immortal, so to speak. And Glimmer doesn't seem to have that. So I don't think she got the the, the lifespan because if she did, she would know that she's also the immortal queen, right? But she doesn't like ever bring that up or talk about it or anything. So I don't think that that's a power she got, since the Moonstone seems to grant different princesses different powers. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. There's some people have suggested that the Moonstone is makes you the princess of light, and that's why Glimmer's thing is sparkles, but I don't really see how that connects to Angela at all, if I'm honest. Well, aside from her being like, an, like a little like angel person, where it's like, I, I don't know. I guess I'm associating angels with flight all the time, which, I mean, is because of, like, other fiction and stuff. But she does really have wings, and, like, uh, Glimmer doesn't have wings. Yeah, she's just got the tattoos. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so, uh, cast a spell that gives Bo a very long scroll containing all the details of the quest, and also a lantern thing, before being presented with a flower arrangement by a nearby Plumerian. Uh, she asks Glimmer's opinion on it, but then just ignores Glimmer's opinion entirely and fires the poor guy. Uh, oh, I, I think I think we actually have seen this guy before. I think this is, like, Perfuma's swole buddy from episode 4? Yeah, he's the, uh, I don't remember I his think... name, but he's the only Plumerian that has a name. <laughs> I feel like, hang on, I gotta look this up now, because I think I actually mentioned him, because I think I did cover his voice actor. I gotta see now. Based on my I'm notes. sorry, you covered uh, this guy's voice actor, but see, not... look, look. <laughs> uh, uh, apparently it's just referred to as Seneschal. Yeah, that's so the I think one. That, I think it's like the Seneschal. Yeah, because he's Jordan Fisher, because he's also a Seahawks voice actor. That's why I covered him, because he also voices Seahawk. Right. <laughs> but yeah, that's also definitely the same guy. Um. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was Madden Until Dawn. Right, I remember that game. <laughs> okay, I remember. That's why I covered that guy. I don't remember anything about the fucking wizard whose name I already forgot. <laughs> Norwin. Norwin, right, whatever. <laughs> yeah, so... He's dead, rip. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, uh, Casta is basically just in a super weird mood. She's thrilled to be able to throw this party, and is extremely... I want to say Bridezilla-esque about it. it. It's just very... She's planning no, no, she this is, party and is, wants yeah, to do she, it the, her way. Yeah, she she is she is very bridezilla about it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she doesn't seem bothered at all by uh, her sister-in-law being dead. But she she just kind of talks around it and mentions how she's absent and so on. Um, outside, Frosta has created an ice sculpture of herself and Glimmer, both incredibly swollen, flexing. I love it. <laughs> but uh, she says that she wanted to do something special for Glimmer, and even offers to make more, but Glimmer asks her instead to greet the guests. Uh, Frosta hears this and says, Bouncer, and runs off to punch some people. <laughs> uh. Yeah, again, again, like, I thought, I thought Frosta learned not to be like this back in season two. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, uh, I don't know. I feel like she's just regressed again. But also, she really hasn't been in the show since that episode. Yeah, <laughs> no, she really hasn't. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, neither has Perfuma, really. Or Seahawk, for that matter, because Seahawk is barely in... He's in this episode, technically, but he's just there to be frozen and do nothing. Yeah, he doesn't even have lines. <laughs> yeah, no. <nah. laughs> yeah, so... If, unless you count as a line. I don't know. The last time we saw solid. Frosta, I think, was in the D&D &D episode, right? And this is very in character uh, oh, for there. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's true, yeah. We did, we did see Mermista, Frosta, and Perfume in that episode, too. But they were kind of more there just to add more chaos rather than actually, like... I don't know, I guess that's really what they do in this episode, too, is just add more chaos. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we also get a beat here from Castaspella asking Glimmer's opinion on colors for the decorations. Uh, this is way too late, Casta. The guests are already arriving. You should have already decorated. But she basically ignores Glimmer's choice and pushes her toward the one Casta wants. It's bad. She's terrible. <laughs> yeah, not great. Yeah, and she just breadzillas around a little bit more before demanding to know where the flowers are. And when she realizes she fired the florist, she asks Glimmer to do them <laughs> for some reason. And Glimmer passes that job on to Mermista because Mermista is standing nearby. <laughs> um, As Perfume is also there, by the way. <laughs> just like in the background, just looking clearly like, I, I wanted to do this. I'm the flower person. Yeah. <laughs> but Glimmer doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> She's like, I, I don't, I don't want to deal with this day anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Mermista does snark a little bit about loving flower arrangements, but Casta does not understand her sarcasm at all and drags her off to do that. Um, Mermista clearly is the best character on this show. I absolutely agree, but this is a little weird to me. So she's very obviously being sarcastic here, right? But later on, mm -hmm. she obviously wants to be doing the flower arrangements. Yeah, yeah, she's she, super she is into sarcastic. It. Yeah, she's sarcastic at first, but then she actually realizes she's actually having fun. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's pretty funny. Uh, Swiftwind shows up and starts bothering Glimmer about the things he needs for his, quote, coronation song. And I just, like, all these people don't seem to understand that they lost someone. It's so strange. Yeah, like, they're they're all kind of just, like, ro like, leaning too far into the, like, forget and move on kind of thing. When it's, like, there's a way to handle this and be, like, tactful about it. And they're just, like, being, like, a little bit too far past it of, like, yeah, let's just, let's just uh, move on and act like everything's all hunky-dory. Well, not even that. It's just everyone in this episode, I would argue, with the exception of Adora and Bo are making it about themselves. They're not allowing yeah, Glimmer that, space too, yeah. to process or choose what she needs from this party. They just, this is going to be about me. I want to do the coronation song. I want to do the giant ice sculptures of myself for some reason. I want to... Yeah, I, I, want, I want to punch party guests because I'm the bouncer now. Yeah. Because I made myself the bouncer now. And it's... Like, I get maybe not wanting Glimmer to focus on her dead mom, but also... It's just so self-centered from everyone. It's very strange. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so... Castaspella takes Glimmer away because she needs her to pick napkin arrangements. And I don't know why. Cast is just going to pick them anyway. But Bo needs yeah. help finding the ceremonial robe anyway, so they all get separated. And as they do, Mermista floods the plaza so that she can put seaweed everywhere. Uh... There is a moment here where Adora turns the Sword of Protection into a mop, so I guess that's a thing it can do. 
Um, yeah, how did I get that she's been like practicing to figure out other configurations that can happen? But how the fuck did she figure out it could be a mop? <laughs> I mean, she accidentally figured out that it could be a cup back in the season two premiere. But like, still, how the, how what would she have been doing that made like unless she was like trying to make it into a staff and I was like, huh? Well, it can be a staff with a mop on the front, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know why. What would be what would be such the, a weird yeah, what, use for that. like it makes it makes way more sense why she figures out it can be a gauntlet next, next episode because it makes sense for her to be like oh i need to make it be a thing that i can put on me that people can steal it a lot harder yeah because it's literally on my arm compared to on my back because people keep stealing the fucking sword all the time <laughs> what context would she have to know that this thing can be a mop <laughs> it's also just a really weird use for a legendary weapon that's the key to the yes, planet also also that it's like you're using a sword as a toothpick basically yeah <laughs> It's like Link, stop fucking around and stop like carving your turkey with a, with the Master Sword. It's a fucking <laughs> legendary sword that's been around for ten thousand years. You idiot! Yeah. It literally has a weird robot lady in it. Stop. <laughs> um, yeah, we cut to Hordak's lab in the Fright Zone, where Katra is just kind of sauntering through the destroyed place, and she demands action of her boss. They're just kind of sitting around, and she wants to move against Bright Moon since the Queen is dead. She sees it as the perfect opportunity. But yeah, Horda... see, she, ag- she, she agrees with us from last episode when uh, Casey sent in the question, like, is this the right time for them to invade? Yes. Now hold the Obviously. phone. I said, no, it wasn't the right time to invade. <laughs> so, uh, well, I said it was, yes. And then Katja... Okay, Katja agrees with me. Yes. <laughs> you invade when the enemy is in a state of disarray because the queen is dead. Obviously. <laughs> okay, now think about that. Katra agrees with you. Does that mean you had a good idea? <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> I guess not actually, considering Katra's been full of bad ideas the entire show. Yeah, um Hordak is very mad. Uh he is on my team. He doesn't think it's a good time to invade because uh they just had the whole fright zone blown up and Bright Moon is at full military capacity. But, uh, yeah, she just reminds him that it was Entrapta's fault, and he throws her out, shouting to never say that name again, and to go shore up the defenses if she needs to do anything, and throws some big old machinery after her. Uh, and she just smirks as she leaves. <laughs> but back in Bright Moon, Adora and Bo have found the ceremonial robe, and it is way too big, even for Angela. I don't know who wore this last, but they must have been, like, 11 feet <laughs> tall. Uh... Casta looks like she's going to have empathy for a moment, but then just completely fails to, going on about how good of a queen Glimmer will be and how good of a ceremony this is going to be. It's She does not seem to get what her niece is going through. but Definitely not. Yeah, you would think she would have some empathy here. It's not like... Yeah, it's like literally her brother's wife is dead. Yeah. You would think that she would be somewhat a little bit sad and realize what her niece is going through maybe yeah and especially like her brother died you know she knows what it's like to lose a family member exactly (laughs) maybe not as much as losing a parent but like he still lost a sibling exactly but but no she just wants to throw this really good party i guess so after casta leaves adora talks a little bit about how it's going to be okay though because they've got the stuff and they'll be together for the whole quest and then Bo pulls adora aside to reveal that he lost the lantern 
So uh, now he and Adora are freaking out, and they decide they have to find the lantern to make sure Glimmer's day is perfect, because that's a thing Adora keeps saying. I feel like she's inspired by the perfect world she just lived through. I don't know. <laughs> and she charges off to look, but bumps into Shadow Weaver, who is walking around free now because she is a guest, not a prisoner anymore. This is such a bad move. Why would they do this? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Glimmer's in charge now, I guess, so she can, she can, what she says goes. I don't care, it's still a bad move. <laughs> she should know not to trust Shadow Weaver. Look, we've already established that they are terrible at everything they do, so of course they would make one of the worst decisions possible of, yeah, let's release Adora's abuser. <laughs> yeah, that seems, that seems alright, this uh, person who betrayed the sorcerers to join the Horde, then betrayed the Horde to join us. Yeah, that seems like the right choice. Yeah, surely they won't betray us to join Horde Prime. Um, no, definitely not. Uh, yeah, uh, she does give Adora best wishes, but in that ominous kind of an untrue way, and uh, just sort of warns that, you know, power changes people, and I sure hope that your friendship with Glimmer will persist now that she's queen, but Adora absolutely brushes off the mind games and keeps on going, so good on her. She learned oh, something. Oh, also, also her mask is fixed. Yeah, I guess it's they not, must have got her a new anymore. one. <laughs> Or maybe, like, I don't know, I, I don't think Glimmer's power gives her a demanding cantrip. Yeah, I don't I mean, think knows. they have a magic repair she, personality. She has, a, she, has a, she, she has a warlock. I'm pretty sure Mending's on the warlock spell list. I think, I think the only person they have that could fix stuff is Bo, and I don't know if he would agree to do that. Um, mm. Yeah, so uh, outside, uh, Frosta is just freezing anyone who tries to get into the party because that's how she's decided bouncers work. Um... Adora really snaps at her when she sees that Frosta has frozen uh, a, a Seahawk in such a way that he will almost certainly die. And uh, this snapping really freaks Frosta out. She just runs off. And then uh, Mermista and Perfuma start having a disagreement over flowers because Perfuma really wants to do the flowers, but Mermista is just having a great time building a coral formation in the lawn. And... Uh, then it turns out that Swiftwind is the one who took the Sacred Lantern because he thinks if he presents it to Glimmer, she'll let him do his song at the ceremony. And they all start fighting, and Swiftwind starts singing. We're back to the Swiftwind that I hate. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, it's, it's all of them, and it's a lot. But Glimmer just reaches a boiling point and shouts for them all to stop. And, well, there's a down moment, and Casta says that they'll all fix it, but Glimmer just grabs the lantern and walks away all despondent. Back in the Fright Zone, uh, Catra finds Scorpia going through all of Entrapta's stuff and asks what's up, because, uh, you know, Hordak wants this all thrown out in the trash. Sure, Hordak does. Um, Scorpia asks if they could maybe, you know, go get Entrapta from Beast Island, since that whole she betrayed us thing was a spur-of-the-moment decision made to try and protect their position and she didn't actually betray them. But uh, Catra insists that it happened, and when Scorpia shows even the slightest inkling of disagreeing, Catra immediately becomes physically violent. She tackles her and starts threatening her with her claws. Uh, mm -hmm. She's... Like, she's been in a bad way for a long time now, but she is rapidly approaching her breaking point. This is... She's never... I don't know. How do I say this? She has never actively attacked someone before there have been instances where we think she might have like maybe hurt someone on purpose rather than being a reflex but this is the first time that okay yes she's setting out to hurt scorpia you know what i mean yeah 
and it, it's yeah she just insists that Entrapta betrayed the Horde and that the portal did what it was supposed to and this whole thing was a win because if those things aren't true she loses again and she can't handle the fact that she was wrong and that is the fact that she was wrong is what's pushing her over the edge I guess it's a lot yep but she storms out after this display of physical dominance, and when she does, it's revealed that Scorpio was here to visit Emily the robot, who didn't get sent to Beast Island. Scorpio has decided to protect her and is giving her little plates of gears and sprockets to eat. I don't know if Emily does that, but it's very cute. <laughs> Emily can do what she wants. Yeah. And Scorpio promises that nothing's going to happen to Emily. It's very cute. She misses her friend. Um... Back in Brightmoon, the coronation begins, and Glimmer and her two witnesses, Bo and Adora, are sent on the quest of Queens, which is in a cave behind a waterfall. This does not seem super interesting to the onlookers. They're just staring at a waterfall. Yeah, for... <laughs> it, it's, it's like one of those things I remember with me having like been on my whole like re-listen of the Shriekcast with them being like, the fucking stupid maze in the fourth book is the worst because nobody can see shit going on <laughs> with that task. <laughs> It's like it's such a dumb thing yeah. especially also like the second one when they're underwater the entire time mm -hmm. it's like people are watching nothing i think like... this one is worse because they're standing up so at least in the harry potter one they have chairs true, true. they at least had seats yeah. <laughs> even if they were looking at nothing these people are looking at nothing and have those seats yes <laughs> um yeah, so they get into the cave and away from the the onlookers glimmer reveals that she's actually pretty mad about this whole thing but she's just she wants to get it over with and so they get started and when adora mentions once again that they're good at quests she blows up and says that they're not good at quests and she's so mad at adora and Bo's small talk that she just they need to stop being like this and that none of this ceremony even matters and she just chucks the lantern down a tunnel but by doing this, uh, they find the legendary chamber of queens, and they immediately forget what they were yelling about. So, <laughs> well, it's it's more that like the lantern light like lights their path with like some like reflective stones more than just being like oh we happen to glimmer happened to throw it down the right quarter that we had to walk down. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it, it's this is a thing that sometimes happens in cartoons where a very serious discussion gets derailed by finding the thing they're looking for, and they just never go back to it. But there you go. Um, yeah, so they uh, they head on in towards the sacred altar where they're supposed to place the sacred lantern. And again, I'm going to call back a while now, but you remember that she was supposed to forge a sacred bond with her steed. What are these things sacred to? What are the deities? We don't... <laughs> Yeah, there's just this big snake monster that I guess just, like, as we see, like, it's like, okay, you're the queen, yep, I understand. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then that's it. And it's like, that? <laughs> yeah, like, they keep using that word, but there's no sacrament, you know? There's no deific being that anyone worships at all, so I, I just don't see how that's an appropriate adjective. But, yeah. They approach the altar, and uh, as Chloe mentioned, they are attacked by the Guardian of Bright Moon, is what this thing is called. Uh, it's a big snake with one eye. Yeah, it's a, it's a big snake. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, they don't have their weapons on them, and Adora asks Glimmer to teleport them out. 
But uh, Glimmer chooses this moment to reveal that she can't teleport right now because she hasn't recharged her power since her mom died. Because if she did, uh, that would uh, complete her connection to the Moonstone, take all the power for herself, and the last vestige of her mom would really, truly be gone. And, yeah. Glimmer had spent a week not taking a short or a long rest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, she technically would have died of, like, exhaustion levels at this point. <laughs> But uh, she's in a pretty rough place because, like we mentioned earlier, everyone's just kind of acting like her mom doesn't matter anymore. Like, she never existed, and Glimmer can't handle the pressure of being forced to be the monarch while also everyone ignores that her mom just died. And Adora breaks and hugs her and admits that she was trying to keep the subject away from her because, you know, talking about the people you've lost hurts. But she doesn't realize that you do need to do that. You can't just repress it. This is this is horde training at work, I think. And mm-hmm. and she lets Glimmer know that uh, Angela's last request was for Adora to look after her, and she's trying, but she just doesn't know how. So they agree to figure it all out together because together they can handle anything, which is uncomfortable to me because that is too close to uh, nothing really bad can happen as long as we have each other. Um. <sighs> so they have... The... Yeah, no, uh, bad, bad things happen regardless of how close you are with people. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Adora keeps making this promise to people that everything will be fine when they stick together, and then that's not a promise she can keep. It's proven wrong two episodes later, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah, so they have a good cry, and then all of a sudden, Adora has the sword again, so they all go to charge and fight the Guardian of the Chamber. <laughs> um, Bo and Adora fight the Guardian of Bright Moon, while Glimmer makes a break for the altar, and uh, it seems to be working at first, but the Guardian actually is beating Bo and Shira pretty soundly. It's not, like, they do okay at first, but then it starts stomping them. It's, it's a bad look. Yeah, maybe if Adora used her sword as a sword and not a net, maybe she would actually do a little bit better at fighting stuff. Maybe. Hey, why wasn't the Guardian of Bright Moon at the Battle of Bright Moon, huh? You'd think they could... Also, yeah, good good fucking point, yeah. (laughs) Just saying, it's not like he's got a lot of jobs. Yeah, like Angela, like you you feel like none of your fucking soldiers in that fight besides your daughter and her friends. Maybe you could have been like, all right, fuck all y'all, snake time, and <laughs> your fucking loyal-ass robot-looking snake or something. Yeah, that would have been nice. Like a little, it, it has a little bit of a mechanical-looking face, at least in my opinion, so I don't know. I don't think it's a machine, but it's like it definitely is like not a normal that snake snake. Yeah, it's it's one of those magic Yeah, it's got like a little bit of like a like cat face in a sense, so like especially with its mouth design, I guess. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, the Turians from Mass Effect, actually, now I think about it, the mouth with the, like the... How, like they have like the like not like flaps on the side, but like mm-hmm. the extra like, like hard plating kind of thing. Yeah. Kind of looks like that a little bit based on its mouth design. So there's something going on with the snake, but it's not a snake snake. <laughs> it's also not a robot. <laughs> it's like Angela, yeah, you have this thing under there. You could have been like, check it out, motherfucker, snake. <laughs> and then, or at least like maybe hinted at snake. And then like three seasons later, like well two and the chain seasons later, I guess be like, oh, that's what that was. It was snake. Okay, cool. <laughs> or have snake come back and be like, hey, what's up? I gotta fight you, sorry. <laughs> yes, also let the snake talk and be like, yeah, sorry about this. I feel real bad, but uh, you're not technically the queen yet. Sorry. 
think it would be much funnier if it was a mindless monster until she became the queen, and then all of a sudden it was just chill. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I had a, I had a silent agreement with your mom, but uh, you're not your mom, so I'm, I'm actually gonna go ahead and talk to you to let you know what the shit, what this shit is about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel, I feel real conflicted about having to attack you, but this is my job until you're actually the queen. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, a glimmer distracts the snake, uh, the guardian, and gets it off of Bo and Adora, and I don't really know why she does this, because she does just immediately plug the lantern into the altar and turn into the queen, so, like, I feel like she could have done that without distracting the snake first, it wouldn't have changed anything, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah, since her moonstone connection is forged, she becomes the true queen of Brightmoon, and the guardian bows to her and then just sort of leaves. <laughs> and then, unfortunately, at this point, we have to say fuck Glimmer because she is a queen, and therefore she is royalty now, officially. It, well, I mean, she's always been a princess, but yes. <laughs> yeah, but but she never really acted like one. Now she has to lead an entire nation, and it's like, yep, that that's the, that's the decider, I feel. Oh, well, I mean, if you want somebody who acts like a queen, this is not the show for you. <laughs> uh, fair, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, as the snake leaves, though, Angela starts talking to her. Uh, this is a, I want to say it's a magical projection, not a hologram, but it's just a message that Angela left behind to say goodbye. And she apologizes for not being there for Glimmer, but tells her that she knows Glimmer's going to be okay because she's so strong and brave and ready to lead. And then Angela tells Glimmer that she's proud of her daughter and loves her before dissipating. And they teleport outside. Um, somehow, while they were in there, the entire place has been magically fixed. There's a new sculpture of Angela and Glimmer together, and the flowers and the water features are all done cooperatively. And <laughs> somehow, while they were in there, the princesses managed to work together and figure this out. I don't... Yeah, <laughs> it's like they weren't, they weren't, they were not in there for long, like maybe an hour at most. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Unless we cut over a lot of walk sequences. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, yeah, weird. It's been like half a day since we got in here and this is so long. <laughs> Why do we have this whole big fucking like 12 hour long like hallway under Bright Moon this entire time? seems very useless with uh, the sake of everybody else having to stand around on their feet rather than having chairs outside. Ah, well, you see, that's why the Guardian of Bright Moon wasn't there this whole time, is because he was all actually under the Fright Zone. It was just such a long tunnel that... <laughs> yeah. He's, he's like, oh, shit, I can hear her summoning for me, but it's going to take me a long time to get there. They're going to be probably dead or done by the time I even get there anyway. It's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Glimmer takes the stage and gives a speech memorializing her mother and reminding the rebellion of the work she did and the work that there's still left to do. And there's a lot of celebration and Glimmer has one last moment with her mother's statue. And then we cut to the Fright Zone, where Hordak approaches to find Katra sitting in his throne. She cuts the power to the room and uh, just immediately takes him down, he doesn't have a chance, and steals the Data Shard from out of his armor which ceases to function without it. Uh, she's also got her new outfit on. This is season four Catra. I love this look. It whips. Um, yeah, I had seen this outfit at some point, I think on Twitter. <laughs> so like, I knew that this was coming, but I wasn't sure when. 
Yeah. See, I th- I thought I thought that like maybe I had not noticed that like maybe she still had some of that like corruption stuff in her arm and that's why she had it, but I don't remember her having that when they exited the perfect world last episode. Yeah, no, that's just a sleeve. That's a... <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Hordak essentially can't function at this point because he's wearing the giant suit of Iron Man armor, but has no power core to run it, so he can't lift himself. <laughs> And uh, while he's helpless, she basically blackmails him into working for her because she thinks it's time to crush the Rebellion once and for all. Because, you know, they have to do that before Prime arrives or else. So she has effectively made herself the leader of the Horde because she's now got Hordak in her pocket. And that's the time for credits. Dun dun dun. (laughs) Yeah. I guess I just didn't read it as much like she's now in charge and more that it's like we're, we're gonna fucking stop dragging our feet and get this shit done for once compared to how you've just been sitting around on your ass for 30 years i guess that's at least how i interpreted it well i mean that's that's what's happening here right she's the evil vizier who's controlling the king so to speak it's she's not the leader of the horde in any way that's anyone's looking at them is going to guess but she is in control she's dictating what they do you know what i mean yeah i guess i guess we'll see in a later episode if it is still that of like if hordak is the one actually in charge and catcher's just pulling the strings or if she's in charge now (laughs) well for the moment she thinks she's in charge and that's what matters She's being led to believe she's in charge. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. And that's uh, yeah. that's my episode. Uh, yeah. We should probably just go right into the next one because it's already an hour and a half in. Huh? Yeah, it's going to be a long one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, from right after that, uh, we go to episode two, The Valley of the Lost, which begins with Adora, Bo, Huntara, and Mermista basically just being recruited by Glimmer to go on a quest to retrieve Mara's ship from the Crimson Wastes. As she plans to have Bo fix it for their efforts against Hordak. I'm not sure where she just can assume that Bo knows how to fix it in a spaceship when they have not seen spaceships in like a, over a, like a thousand years or something well, he, on their planet. He's the only artificer they've got. It doesn't matter if he can do it. He has to. Oh, but, but I thought we established that Bo's just a fighter who just like took yeah, the archery yeah, fighting. Yeah, absolutely. So he, he might have like a level or two in artificer to mimic and trap them, but I don't think he's fully artificer. Yeah, no, he's he, just he's a... definitely. He's, got... he's no battlesmith, that's for sure. <laughs> no, I think he's just pure fighter with uh, tinkering as his tool. Yeah. It's like when Gorgug takes his level of artificer that's like being a barbarian with like a like minus one to intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except Bo actually has an intelligence modifier. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Adora brings up the very good point that Mermista needs water for her powers and they'll be in a desert. <laughs> so... Glimmer decides to, like, immediately just teleport Mermista out and immediately come back with Perfuma instead, where it's like, okay, well, there's, like, at least some, maybe some plants there. It's really more <laughs> useful. <laughs> Sorry, Mermista, getting in this episode. Uh, Glimmer is just also bummed out that she has to stay for boring queen duties. Uh, she's shuffled off by insistent for a meeting she's late to anyway, so she and the assistant go and teleport away, leaving the rest of the head out. Uh, once they get to the waste, Perfuma mistakes it as Hantara's kingdom. I guess, hey, makes sense. Most of the ladies who have kingdoms have names that end in A, so it makes sense to assume that Hantara would be a princess, I guess. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, no, Ador- Adora, Mermista, 
Perfuma Frosted, they all in the nays. I mean, to be fair, Adora doesn't have a kingdom, but I mean, she's still a princess. Glimmer is the exception. She she has an R at the end of the name. <laughs> I don't know. I'm glad yeah. she's not Glimmer, though, because that would be much worse. Oh, yeah, no. Gl- Glimmer would be way weird to try to pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's strange. Uh, but yeah, uh, she does say that Huntara should at least be somewhat happy to be back, since this is still her home. And she then demonstrates her powers to Huntara by trying to distort a weird, like, goopy cactus. It's not like a normal cactus, because it just, like, explodes into goop and stuff rather than water. <laughs> but she basically just pops it by accident, at which point Huntara points out to Dora that she's a little bit concerned if they have to fight, if Perfuma can't really actually, like, use their powers on these weird plants that are different. <laughs> they don't, I guess they really, it's not until like way later that she says that she just hates cacti. They don't really like go into like excruciating detail of why she doesn't, it, at least at first, is able to use cacti as a regular plant, <laughs> but I don't know. I guess it's just because the Crimson Waste is just like a fucking weird hell dimension where everything is weird and different, so maybe it's just different composition or something. Yeah, she's like uh, she's like Yayo Rozu from Mirofidima. She has to know more about the chemical composition of things to actually manipulate it. I guess <laughs> this is a different cacti compared to regular cacti. I guess uh, I don't know. I don't know because when she does talk about it later, she'll say that she can't get along with them because they're unfriendly. So maybe it's more of a communication <laughs> issue. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're covered in spines and stuff compared to normal, like most other plants. <laughs> Even though roses also have plants, I'm pretty sure we've seen her use roses before, but whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Semantics. Uh, but yeah, uh, Adora defends Perfuma's performance in battle, because we have seen Perfuma just fully kill people, basically, before in her defense, so it makes sense. It's just, yeah, different circumstances with her having less plants to work with. <laughs> uh, and she also, like I alluded to, shows up that she learned how to make the sword into a bracer, so it's harder for people to steal it from her. This is basically the smartest thing Adora has ever done in the entire <laughs> run of this show. Because how many times has the sword of protection been stolen from her at this point? Too many. Like six or seven times, maybe? It's... Too, too many to count at this point at the top of my head. It's, it's been a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she finally figured out a way to make it be less acceptable to people by having it on her arm instead of just on her back for anybody to grab. I also just really like its design as a bracer. I wish they had sold these. This would have been so cool. Oh yeah, it, it's a neat design. But yeah. Uh, Hantara then accuses Adora of having, uh, of being soft from her experience with the princesses, just because this is Hantara. She's just she's like the, I don't want to call her just the meathead character, but she is like the most confrontational of all of them really, <laughs> except maybe Glimmer. So she's, of course, got to, like, poke at people, being like, oh, you're, you've gone soft, you're weak, and stuff. Yeah, Huntara so, is the jock of the team. Yeah, but Adora is also the jock of the team, because then the two of them challenge each other to race the ship, because they're dumb muscle lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember, yeah, Huntara gotta... is the one that Adora has a crush on, so she has to impress her. <laughs> True, yeah. She has to prove herself, so this way she can get her kisses in. <laughs> But yeah, uh, Bo then demonstrates to Perfuma that he apparently has designed a water arrow, which is literally just an arrow that like has the compartment open to shoot a jet of water, <laughs> because he used it to clean Perfuma of the cacti goo. This is the most. Safe this is the least useful arrow anyone has ever made. <laughs> yeah, this is like Bo being like, "Hey, check it out! I learned the shape water cantrip." <laughs> I mean, to be fair, artificers are said to like cast their spells by using like more like weird gadgets and stuff rather than just normal spell casting so i guess this is actually him using shape water 
<laughs> I think it's on the other first Bellas, I don't remember. Uh, yeah, uh, basically he's just like being like, yeah, I'm just extending my repertoire of stuff I could do. <laughs> so, he then decides to use a convoluted analogy about cacti and linking them to Huntara about like potentially having Perfuma give her a chance, but Perfuma is actually legit talking about the cacti and her little rant about she can't manipulate them as well as other plants because they just don't get along <laughs> <laughs> compared to uh, talking about Huntara. Huntara is just abrasive, just that's who she is. <laughs> It's not about her, it's about the actual plants. Uh, but yeah, when she then learns that she cannot use the cacti to move the ship just because of her situation, they actually arrive at where the ship is to see it's already gone. So it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> Rip. Episode over. If only. That would have been yeah. a great episode uh, ending. I would have loved that. Yeah, yeah to just have like a five minute long episode yes. and be like, well. <laughs> it was never going to happen, I guess. but it would have been very funny. No. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like uh, it's like a lot of the uh, video game outlets doing their like look at the Last of Us Part 1 re-remake or whatever, where it's like literally like 30 seconds of being like, yeah, it looks like the Last of Us. All right. <laughs> We're out. <laughs> they actually did that on Giant Bomb. It was like Dan Riker and somebody else being like, yeah. This is the last of us. It looks like the last of us. Okay, bye. <laughs> you know, even... There's a thing that comic books sometimes do where they'll, like, put the, the final page in and then the letters page or whatever, and then you turn the page and it just keeps going. It was like a fake-out. I think that would have uh, been mm -hmm. exceptionally funny if they had started playing the credits and then gone back for more show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a character like uh, pushes the credits away, being like, "Hang on, it's like we're not done here." Well, not even that, just like not acknowledging it, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that would be too like on the nose. That'd be like uh, yeah, there's no fourth wall like breakers under, in that, this show. Yeah, that that'd be some Undertale shit. <laughs> be like, "Hang on, it's like." But yeah, uh, where was I? Uh, yeah, Bo's tracker pad then chimes in with Glimmer calling them as Adora is just, like, miming at him, trying to get him to hang up. But, uh, Bo, like, quickly tries to excuse the, her, themselves, being like, oh, yeah, the mission's going well, but we've got to go, bye, it just it turns it off. <laughs> uh, and then Huntara and Adora continue their, like, idiot competition of trying to track the ship down through just stupid ways where, like, Huntara, like, can, like, apparently taste sand to tell where things are, and Adora tries to mimic her, but then Bo just points out their tracks, and they can just follow the tracks. What are they doing? <laughs> Bo somehow has survival when Huntara does not, even though she lives in the fucking wasteland. Well, her, Huntara has survival. It's just that she's so desperate to use survival, she's not looking at the... <laughs> Yeah, she's like, oh, I'm not looking at the obvious like signs that the GM left here for us. Exactly. Yeah. Because the GM, the GM forgot that two people in this uh, session have survival, herself and Bo. Yeah, she just. Uh, to be fair, Adora. To be fair, Adora also had survival. They're just both rolling really badly compared to Bo. I don't think it's even that. I think they just jumped straight to survival and skipped perception entirely. Yeah, this is fair. Yeah, Bo's just like, uh, wait, hang on, it's right there. <laughs> <laughs> Like, didn't even need survival, you just wanted to roll that for the sake of rolling something. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but they do actually, before Bo puts it out, confirm, like, come to the conclusion that it had to have been the Horde based on the fact that, like, Huntara apparently, like, tastes like metal and rubber and stuff in the sand, <laughs> somehow. Not, not sure how that works, but whatever. But, uh, they follow them and come across the Valley of the Lost, which Huntara describes as both a haven for smugglers and also her home. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're not really sure exactly how much time passes between when they actually get in there, but they eventually spot some horde soldiers and disguise themselves with cloaks. Although at least they all do, Huntara doesn't, but it makes sense because like 
the horde doesn't really know who Huntara is, but they definitely would recognize princesses and Bo at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what they also don't notice is that a like lizard-looking person is watching them from above. Uh, I don't feel like I need to dance around it. This is Double Trouble. Well, I don't. Do they actually say Double Trouble's name in this episode? I legit uh, forget. I <laughs> I watched it yesterday and I don't remember. I honestly <laughs> do not know. Yeah, me. I, I forgot this also. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I don't think they do. I think, like, when they introduce themselves to Catra, I think they just skip over their name. I don't know. Hmm. But yeah, no, Weird. whatever. But yeah, uh, but yeah, they come across Huntara's two goons that had defected to Catra, and Huntara just wants to go and, like, fire slash fight them, <laughs> I guess. But Adora and Perfumer, like, managed to convince her that they are here for the ship and not to go and do the stupid thing that would blow their cover. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, Hantara then has an idea of who can help them try to narrow down where the ship is, but before we get to that, we cut over to Catra and Scorpio sorting through the ship's contents somewhere else, because apparently they were able to move the ship, because horde tech. Uh, Scorpia acts like a little bit out of character with her directness of just fully flirting with Catra here, <laughs> like being like, hey, I'd rather hang out with you than anything, <laughs> and it's like, this is obviously not going to be Scorpia, actually, because <laughs> Scorpia is not this direct. And we're uh, proving correct there because another Scorpia comes in and mistakes her doppelganger as ever quit. Uh, like, initially she thinks that her doppelganger is a twin that she didn't know about, but then she's like, oh, did I actually know her? I probably cloned me. I did sign a lot yeah. of paperwork originally. Yeah, she <laughs> but, is super, like, she makes this face. She wants to get down with her clone. Look at this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. <laughs> as much as Scorpia has been flirting with Catra this whole time, the instant she sees another one of her, she changes. She's, nope, nope, big win yeah. for me now. <laughs> yeah, she's like, hey, I went into, and then, you know, it's like, it might be, like, me from the future or whatever, but, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, I guess, maybe. <laughs> like, it's all, it's all a masturbation, I guess, in a sense, if you think about it like that, maybe. <laughs> How could you say that? You know what I have to do now. <laughs> what is that? Welcome to episode 37. It's all masturbation. <laughs> hey, uh, we had one episode where the title wasn't horny for like the last month, so then we're back to the horny. Yeah, I title. guess. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> But Catra uh, realizes something else is going on. Vance doesn't know how the other Scorpia is, only for them to then turn into a duplicate of herself. But before we continue with that, we go back over to the rest of the squad, minus Glimmer plus Huntara instead, where they arrive at uh, Grox's place. I really heard Grox said in the dialogue here a lot. I did not. I actually had to look at the wiki to realize that her name is Grox, not Grox. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, Crocs explains that the Horde moved in after Huntara left and that the rest of her gang are in hiding. And she's basically like, oh yeah, I've got just a thing that can help you out there. And she goes and obviously is going to immediately stab them in the back because she grabs a, a, like a hunting horn instead of anything useful. <laughs> and while she's rifling through that bow spots, uh, I, I, is it a jacket? It looks like it might be a flag, but I think it's a jacket. Yeah, more, I think it's either a jacket later. or a cape. Yeah, something like that. But he sees it with the Horde insignia in her possessions, and it's like, yeah, it's like, really waste no time in introducing Grocks only to be like, fuck this person, <laughs> she already betraying us, doesn't matter. And then, yeah, Grox immediately betrays them because of how she says Antara went soft, which doesn't survive in the Crimson Ways, so you can't trust anybody in the Crimson Ways, because fuck you, I guess. <laughs> and immediately blows the horn. 
So they all have to flee as the horde, and Huntara's old goons corner them. And Adora unfortunately skips her transformation sequence here again, just to spite me, to fight them off as she tells Perfuma and a cacti to block off one side of the alley. It's very funny when she's like, Perfuma, cactus, help us, <laughs> kind of deal. It's like, you don't have to give commands to the cactus, it's a, it's a unintelligent, unsentient creature. It's a plant. Yeah, uh, but Perfume obviously can't really actually use it because she just ends up shooting a bunch of the cactus's spines into herself more than anything. <laughs> at the very least, she takes the hit. She doesn't get anybody else zapped. Yeah, she doesn't at least dive out of the way to let, make Antara get all the spikes, <laughs> even though it probably would not affect Antara at all. But yeah. But uh, they still manage to get away anyway, but are interrupted by Glimmer calling them to bitch and moan about being in a boring meeting again, only to have to hang up on her once more. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, again, I don't remember if those Hobo actually says their name, uh, but they do do some stuff. They to do, it. I can confirm. I've got the episode playing on mute in the background while we, uh, while we go through it, and ah. they do absolutely introduce themselves with their name. Okay, never mind. They do then. But yeah, so yeah, Double Trouble introduces themselves to Katra, only to immediately be locked in like handcuffs. <laughs> but it still plays coy about what they want, because it's, you know, they basically phrase it as like, oh, it's not much what I want, it's more what you want. And it's like, uh, boy, you're already starting off on a weird foot here. Yeah. Just being like, oh, I don't give a shit about what's going on. <laughs> but you might. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, a bit strange. But, uh,. They eventually do transform back into their usual, like, literally self, and it's, like, the same person that we had seen before, watching the other group on the rooftop. Mm -hmm. And they explain that they simply are basically just have their cash in exchange for their services and demonstrate that they can easily escape as well by just immediately slipping out of their, like, handcuffs. It doesn't <laughs> even matter. No effort put into it whatsoever, just immediately get the nat 20 all the time on it, I guess. And also boast about being able to easily pass as anybody, even on the personality level, and, you know, Obviously, it's a little bit better at it based on how much time they have to observe somebody, but, you know, they were able to at least get some bit of a facsimile of Scorpia down, even if it was very much too horny <laughs> for Scorpia, <laughs> actually. Uh, but yeah, Catra's definitely shows a bit of interest at this. And we cut back over to the others where Perfuma finally admits that she hates Cacti, just in general, just hates everything about them. As Huntara is also like just a little bit bummed out about what the Crimson Waste has become without her. And Glimmer then calls again, <laughs> just to annoy them once more. And Bo is forced to like quickly explain what's going on and that they are basically just fucking up as usual. <laughs> because as established the last episode, even Glimmer recognizes they are bad at quests. Yeah. And yep. they really he really needs to put his pad on silent because honestly, like at this I don't point, think his I don't think his data pad has a volume adjuster. <laughs> I think it has one setting and that is on. <laughs> That is unfortunate because, yeah, like Glimmer has established at this point that she is just going to keep on calling, so he really needs to Yeah, <laughs> and like, I mean, it was like still like making noise at them during like the ghost uh, hologram episode from season two, so it's like, I feel like it just has either, either it is on or it is off, well, and there's then turn no it volume. Off. <laughs> yeah, but that would mean that Bo has to actually put the foresight into turning it off, because it's, he always has this thing on, and it always goes off at the worst possible time, or fucks up in some way. <laughs> These teenagers and their phones. <laughs> yeah, like, at this point, Adora should just take it and smash it, basically. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, Adora hastily, like, butts in, saying that they, uh, can handle this on their own, but Glimmer wants to come and help, but then Adora also says that they can't just sit around waiting for Glimmer to come by. 
At which point, Bo then reveals that apparently he stole the 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 flag jacket jacket thing, whatever it is, from Grax's uh, house and whatever. Because uh, apparently, just because like uh, as we saw back way back in season two, uh, they all have like trackers on them, which is what Catra had used to like let the horde know where she was when Glimmer and Bo miraculously tried to actually like capture her, and almost succeeded. Yeah, for the, once. Uh, <laughs> the the Star Trek badges. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, those things. And he basically uses it with his tracker pad to get a location on like every horde soldier in the valley. Which helps them narrow down where the highest concentration of them all, which is where the ship would obviously be, which makes sense. <laughs> and they tried to head over and get Perfuma's help, but Perfuma, again, is still just bummed out saying that she's useless, but Hantara encourages her just with, like, some, you know, nice words of encouragement, which turns her around and makes her rejoin to help them out. And then, I don't think this is a full transformation sequence, but it's also been a while since we've seen one, so maybe I'm just forgetting <laughs> if there's some parts of it that are in the transformation sequence or not, but it felt shorter than usual. It looks like a full transformation it... sequence, but I could be mistaken. I, I feel like the full transformation sequence is like 20 seconds long, though. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't think this is that long. Well... We'll put it at 0.5 for now. <laughs> but that's half a transformation sequence, I guess. Tentatively. Alright, well, let to, me I'll scroll through and see how guess. many seconds this takes. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll just continue while you do that. Uh, but yeah, she does that, and they go and attack the soldiers. And eventually, Catra joins the fight against Adora, as opposed to dealing with, like, henchmen and, like, turrets and stuff, as Huntara and Perfuma go sneak towards the ship. And Huntara just, like, knocks a bunch of dudes out, as Perfuma tries to help get the cacti to cooperate. But she just can't quite fully until she realizes that their valley is underground, obviously, because they're in a big divot in the ground. So therefore, she can easily access a bunch of roots that are in the ground and just uses that to lift up the ship. I guess, whatever. Fuck you, Cacti. <laughs> not, not needed anymore. Uh, update on that sequence. It is 15 mm -hmm. seconds long, so... Okay, so maybe it is a full transformation <laughs> sequence then. I guess it is. I, some, again, it's been a while since we've seen one properly yeah, because sure uh, the, show, the show has lied to me about transformation sequences, aka you said that there was like one an episode. Yeah, I don't know where that all went. Believe Nate did this to me. We, yeah, we've established Nate has been going in and changing the Netflix version and then changing all the, the pirating sites <laughs> to re-upload it with new versions just to spite us. Truly Much devious. Much like how Dana was spiting us. <laughs> But yes, uh, Adora ends up being able to pin Catra behind like some like it looks like it's like a chunk of metal scaffolding that she just rips off and just pins her to like against the wall at the moment and it's like jumps off to like remove some fallen rocks that have fallen on the ship. <laughs> and then she and Perfume channel their gay rainbow energy to like smash their way out of the valley and just like just beat the shit out of everybody else that's still remaining. Yeah, if they can do this with uh, just two of them, I don't know why they're not constantly doing it. Well, because they really haven't taken any other princesses on any mission with them in ages. Like, I mean, like, yeah, like, they, the, a lot of, like, the side characters came with them on the Dora recovery mission, but the Dora wasn't there to activate the gay powers, so they couldn't do it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, da -da -da. But yeah, then, like, being the shit out of everybody, chases the rest of the Horde soldiers off, but Catra manages to apparently weasel away out of that weird cage thingy that the Dora had made. And Perfume then thanks Antara as Glimmer finally pops in dripping wet from being stuck in the ocean, apparently. <laughs> so this brought up a bunch of questions that I had just now. 
one glimmer knows where the crimson waste is i don't know how she got stuck in the ocean well two we didn't see them have to cross the ocean to get to the crimson waste because they didn't have seahawk with them or mention that he was there with the ship waiting for them and three she can easily teleport over to the seagate and to uh shit whatever perfume whatever perfume is uh um King, uh, like, uh, uh plumeria Plumeria. She can get to those places in like a span of seconds to switch them out at the start of this episode. So why does it take her so long in her getting lost in the ocean to get here this time? She has the full power of the Moonstone. Presumably she now has the full like level 7 version of teleport that wizards have, right? Okay, but here's the thing. Uh, at the beginning of the episode, when she brings Perfuma to the meeting, they're covered in snow because she accidentally teleported them to Snow Place before she went... Uh... Oh, did... did... Did she? Oh, did they? I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She says she got a bit lost okay. on the way back. So, even though she can teleport wherever now, she clearly does not have directional control the way she used to. <laughs> right. Okay. Maybe she's maybe she's too drunk on the power that she's like, oh, I accidentally overshot thousands of miles. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, whatever. Still. She knows where the Crimson Waste is, and they did not go there on the boat the first time, so how'd she get lost in the ocean? Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's a minor nitpick about a kid's show that we shouldn't be nitpicking about. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, Huntara then tells Glimmer that she has to stay to remain and reclaim the waste for her people, so I guess uh, she's out of the show officially at this point. <laughs> not a character anymore, I guess. Probably will show up maybe once in the season finale, in the series finale, but that's it. I guess. Hey, even if she was only in three episodes, that's more than the classic Huntara got. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, she's she's been in the show more than Spinarella and Natasa at this point, basically. <laughs> I. Although to be to be fair, they were actually in like the background in like some of the shots in the previous episode, but they didn't do anything. <laughs> Yeah. She's had more of a presence doing stuff than those two have, at the least. Yeah, I would argue that she's had more of a presence doing stuff than Seahawk. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's also true. Seahawk has really not done much besides the episode he was introduced in, and then the episode where he was annoyed that, or like bummed out that uh, Mermissa didn't want to hang out with him. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. Otherwise, he's just kind of there to hang out and yeah. be annoying. Yeah. <laughs> He's been there in the background in some cases, or in the last episode, frozen salad to die. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Uh, we cut over to Catra and Scorpia having escaped from the valley on the skiff, and it's revealed that Double Trouble was acting as Catra during the fight, and Catra is already impressed that they were able to fool Adora as well as they did with very little prep work. And Catra is just stoked about what they can do with that power later on. <laughs> And yeah, we just end the episode there. Yeah, I kind of feel like that's an uncharitable read, but, like, mm -hmm. Double Trouble as Catra didn't say anything, you know? So it's not exactly like they fooled uh, they, Adora. They... True, yeah. Like, they did at least just be, like, they introduced themselves when they joined the fight against Adora, but they didn't really say much throughout the fight. Yeah, I think their one line is like, hey, don't damage the goods, and then they're just totally silent after that. Yeah. frankly should have been suspicious to Adora because that's weird for Catra <laughs> yeah no the thing that Catra always says when she shows up and sees Adora is hey Adora Catra you didn't even cover that <laughs> you didn't be like okay the one thing you gotta know definitely to make her know that it's you or rather me is you gotta say hey Adora when she sees you Yeah. you can't do anything else you can't not say anything else it has to be hey Adora it has to be in like a little bit of like a like kind of 
somewhat suggestively sexy kind of way. <laughs> uh, yeah. You're, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Adora didn't question it. <laughs> no. But also, Adora has, like, no insight check, so that's why. <laughs> she just attaches on face value. But also, she doesn't know there's a literal shapeshifter on the planet, apparently. Yeah, it might be a hard thing to know. It depends on how on the downloadable trouble has kept themselves. Yeah, which you would presume pretty on, well on the down low, considering they can be literally anybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they even like lampshade that. It's like, yeah, this is more or less what I usually look like without using a disguise of somebody else. Like, even, I feel like at this point, Double Trouble isn't even sure what they actually like really fully look like. Or they've just tweaked them, their appearance over the years that they're like, yeah, this is what I settled on. I'm not sure what I actually like looked at, look like, like down, like in uh, if I were to like look back at who I originally was. But it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't blame yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out sometimes you just want to not have the body you were born with. Turns out. Shocker. Who who would expect this from two people who have been established to be on hormones and have titty at this point in their lives? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, it's almost like the people listening to this podcast haven't listened to any of the other episodes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how this stacks up compared to other shows. Like chronologically, I had no idea, but Double Trouble is the first character on a TV show that I ever saw that used they them pronouns, and so that was uh, extremely affirming to me, even if they are a weird lizard. <laughs> so yeah, I I. I... I think that I remember hearing that too, just because I do about Double Trouble as well. Because it's like, oh, they have like character that uses they them pronouns in the show, voiced by a person who also uses they them pronouns. So it's like, I remember that being big news, but also like I remember like, you know, obviously the <laughs> spoilers for the end of the show, the Catadora kiss, obviously it was a big news too, to yeah. the point where I heard that even if I wasn't watching the show at that point. <laughs> but I mean, it's also like I mean we were dealing with so little scraps at that point that it's like people were like going crazy when Korra and Asami held hands. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like, just being like, oh, they might be in a relationship, but we weren't allowed to actually be upfront about it because Nickelodeon is a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just... I, I they can say as, as much as they want in the comics, but not the show. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's very strange. But... And I, I'm not going to talk about the comic too much, but I was very unhappy with the way that went. So... <laughs> um, I still have all of them from uh, both those little series I did with that, and I only ever read the first one for some reason. <laughs> it, ter it turns out, I mean, the stuff we learned about the, the Avatar creators uh, a few months ago, uh, it kind of kills any interest in covering that show much. <laughs> well, not, not even just that, but like uh, the second arc of the uh, the Korra comics, and I'm about to spoil those here. Uh, somebody uh, about Kavira? Hmm? Uh, with Kavira? Yeah. Uh, somebody in that arc invents literal mind control and turns Asami into a straight person, so... Oh, fun. Yeah. It's bad. Yay. Don't like it. <laughs> cool. It's it's fine by the end. Oh. It's, you know, they have to reset it to status quo, but still. Yeah, but... Yeah, it's... it's The fact that there is still that but still that you have to say there is like, yeah, that says enough. Yeah, they invented conversion therapy that actually works in Avatar. It's a problem. Yeah, it really is. Mm. Yeah. But, yeah, well, the point I was trying to get to with all of this, I don't know if this is for sure true, but I think Double Trouble here might be the first actually non-binary character in television. 
at the very least in animation and yeah that's i, I feel like at the least talk about, i think <laughs> yeah and like uh i mean i don't again i don't even though i watched this episode just like yesterday i don't remember if there's ever a point where like katra or scorpio actually use pronouns with them but it's like I mean, I feel like with a character like Double Trouble, like we we don't get characters like Rain afterwards without them, obviously, because it's yeah. like, yeah, like there is that little bit of like, yo, yeah, you made the nominary person be like a snake, like a lizard person, it's like you could make them just like a normal like human person or not a different, like a not like a like non-humanoid person, basically kind of deal, I guess. Like the like the argument of like being like, uh, oh, robots are always depicted as like the asexual like representation in shows, just because they don't understand like love and sex kind of deal, whatever. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, but it's like it's still like a it's still a milestone, especially for animation. I mean, to be fair, it's like on Netflix where Netflix kind of i guess at the time let more things go compared <laughs> to nowadays where netflix definitely seems like they don't want to do anything except let a bunch of queer phobes and transphobes on their site and no, do nothing else no it's fine but, they put uh, out q force oh yeah <laughs> they, they did one decent thing and did like 50 shitty things q force is not a decent for it all. thing <laughs> <laughs> okay well <laughs> i haven't seen it i thought it was because you brought it up no that was that was being sarcastic it's <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> But yeah, no, it's like, I mean, it's still also a thing that's like, even when Rain was first introduced, like, we only, there were only, like, maybe, like, one or two times that they actually used pronouns about them, but, like, I mean, in the season 2B premiere, like, they are using they, them all over the place yeah. about Rain in that episode, <laughs> so it's like, makes it way more obvious, I mean, like, my mom didn't even notice that they, like, that uh, either used they, them pronouns, like, once or twice with Rain in that episode when they were introduced, but then, like, and de she definitely was like, oh yeah, I definitely heard that a lot because there's a lot of people referring to Rain in the third person a lot of the time in <laughs> that uh, other episode when they appear. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't believe uh, anyone uses pronouns for Double Trouble in this episode, but I think that starts pretty quick. Like, as of right now, I'd they imagine, haven't really introduced yeah. themselves, so I think that starts next episode. Yeah, I, it makes sense, but it's like I imagine that like in a future episode there'll probably be an episode where it's like Catra and Scorpia hang around being like, oh hey, we're still in trouble. Oh, I sent them off on a mission kind of deal. Compared to like, you know, obviously we don't get that scene in this episode because we don't really don't even see the horde people all that much in this episode. But also they want to obviously keep it a little bit coy, being like, oh that was not Catra, that was Double Trouble yeah. during that fight, <laughs> even though it's like kind of a little bit obvious it's gonna be Double Trouble not Catra <laughs> because it's like. You know, she was interested in, like, the fact that Double Trouble can be anybody in exchange for money. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say, I know for a fact there's not a scene where Double Trouble introduces their pronouns, right? It, it just happens naturally, the way it does with Rain. Yeah. So that's it, nice. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's not like how, like, if you're on the internet these days and you're, like, you know, a queer person or even just a person being respectful, you would say, like, oh, yeah, my name's blank and, you know, use these pronouns kind yeah. of deal. No, it just... Yeah. That happens off screen. Everyone refers to them as them immediately. Yeah, it's it's like one of those things that's like yeah, characters just know for the sake of the story. Even if it's not as much believable that characters would immediately just know. But at the same time, I feel like it'll be a little bit clunky if every time Double Trouble introduces themselves to somebody else, they're like, oh yeah, I'm Double Trouble. They know, yeah. <laughs> like doing it all the time. It's like, I mean, we also like had that in our our previous uh, tabletop game 
when uh when my character was not going to use they them pronouns it's like oh yeah we even lampshaded at one point at a character that's like yeah it doesn't really make as much sense that my character would really know but at the same time we don't want to have to have that whole conversation in character of like why my character is not binary because also i never admittedly even came up with why kino was not binary it's just like oh yeah no at one point kino just decided they're not binary it's like i didn't bother to like come up with any explanation why but also fuck it i don't need to yeah there are Kino's no explanations you don't need that yeah yeah but yeah. Like I at least said, I at least established early on at some point that Kino was AFAB, but it's like, yeah, but that's it. I don't know what Kino's dead thing was because I didn't come up with one. Exactly. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, I, from what I recall, when Adora and crew first meet Double Trouble as Double Trouble, they will immediately refer to them with they them pronouns without that being introduced. So yes, that's very much a thing yeah. that happens here. I get, I get, it's something also that happened in Xenoblade 3 because there is actually a canonical non-binary character in that too, voiced by a non-binary voice actor, where it's like, like Juniper shows up, attacks the party, and then runs off, and they're just like, oh, I wonder who that was, or where they went. We should go follow them and find out what their deal is. <laughs> it's like, yeah, again, they also have no context for, like, talking about this, like, cat archer person like that, but at the same time, they don't need to. Whatever, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it works out better, because also it's like, oh, cool, there's not my favorite character in Zelda like 3, yay! <laughs> now, if only they would let uh, Mio, Senna, and Yuni all be gay, because they definitely have a lot of gay moments between each other and other characters, too. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Apparently, I don't think they get to. Especially with how much they push Noah and Mio as an item. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, yeah. I... Hey, all I'm saying is Mio has two hands. <laughs> <laughs> the DLC is coming at some point in like the next year. Mio has two hands, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Let her be gay with uh send with all the shipping they have between them and also then uh send also has two hands that he gave with me uh, with a uh, uni i mean it's a sad i remember mentioning they all share each other's clothes when they like change class and all they are just one big polycule basically <laughs> <laughs> so just lean into it <laughs> okay um well i don't really think you have i any have anything else to say on that episode but how would you feel about going back in time <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was about to bring up, we, yeah, we are over two hours and it's almost been that we should probably get the 80s stuff and trivia and questions. It's and fine, we do long episodes <laughs> all the time back in the Alhef's days. Um. <laughs> yeah, but true. I mean, we, we spent like almost the first hour just chatting about Sony and stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, okay, yes, so uh, back to the 80s. I have two things to talk about today. Uh, that may be more than you're expecting, but there we go. Uh, so the first character I'm going to discuss is Grox. Uh, <laughs> in this show, she shows up as a merchant who betrays Huntara, but in the classic show, Grox is a troll who works for the King of Trolls and uh, helps She-Ra to do a thing. Um, it's honestly not much. He's just like a one-episode helper character who teams up with she to go do stuff. It, boring, but a troll. So there you go. Um, I'm sorry, no, he shows up in two episodes. My mistake. <laughs> but yeah, they, they, they fight a giant spider. It's, it's, it's whatever. It's not even Horde stuff. It's just a big spider. <laughs> hmm. The more relevant character, and the one we've already been talking about for... I don't know, like 20 minutes. Um, this one's going to cause some confusion because there are significant differences here. But uh, here is old school double trouble. 
Yeah, off the bat, it's definitely uh, more noticeable because there's definitely like more uh, particularly gendered things about old Double Trouble. Yeah, classic Double Trouble does use she/her pronouns. Um, she is a snake lady, but she disguises herself as human to fit in with everyone else. So she's a lot more. Um, she's not as cool with her true self, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. She never actually showed up in the t- TV show. Is the thing. <laughs> it's like the third person that's had that happen to them yeah huh? that's why the picture i sent you is like a design document is because oh yeah yeah because it mentions like uh when put in direct sunlight the flesh-colored plastic turns green yeah that's that's a design for a toy <laughs> it's not actually for the show because despite <laughs> being okay i'm gonna be real here i used one of the older uh, He-Man wikis to find this because I don't have any information about her on my personal level since she wasn't in the show. And her bio is like the longest I have ever seen on a She-Ra character on this wiki and yet. <laughs> uh, short version is uh, she's Glimmer's sister and, <laughs> and works as a double agent. Um, during her civilian life as the human person she's a horde supporter you can see she's got the horde breastplate thing going on but Mm -hmm. actually she's a double agent working for the rebellion feeding them information and i guess they're cool with her being a snake i don't know if they are then they're uh in a better place than the modern rebellion is (laughs) yeah pretty much um, I mean, like, yeah, yeah there's, there's, like, no non-humanoids in the Rebellion. I mean, I guess you can technically count Adora because she's the first one, but, like, she's still, like, human. Yeah, she looks exactly appearance. the same. Yeah. yeah. So, this, uh, this particular iteration of Double Trouble appeared in a single comic book, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> did the toy ever get made? Uh, yeah, yeah, it sure did. Would you like me to link you an image? Because I, I, kinda have to see I it promise now. you, this it's not what you think it's going to be. It's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Does she have a crossbow, or is that like a weird That is definitely a crossbow, okay. which is not in the design document. I don't know what that is. No, yeah. No, that's why I had to guess, because it's not in the design doc. So, yeah. Um, I am going to link you one image of a, a comic panel. This is Double Trouble's singular appearance in He-Man slash She-Ra media up to Princesses of Power. And there you go. Just wild Magneto bucket helmet with a ponytail coming out the back. <laughs> uh. So yeah, uh, I don't know how they got to Modern Double Trouble from this, but I'm really glad they did, is the point of all of it. I forgot that that was actually what Old Catcher looked like. (laughs) That's not what Old Catcher looked like. That's a custom costume for the comic. But she's addressing... Oh, okay, right. But she's addressing her as Catra, so that is supposed to be Catra. It is supposed to be Catra. It's just not what Catra looks like in this show. (laughs) Yeah, there was some... Design disagreements in the between the comics and the shows. You know how it is. It was a weird, <laughs> weird franchise built specifically for toys, and that meant that 
people didn't always agree I mean, on what people were supposed to look what, like. What, sh what show in the 80s wasn't designed to sell toys and nothing else? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's what I have for you today. <laughs> Alright, well, uh, I have just like a little bit of minor trivia stuff, because uh, technically we have two new characters introduced, but one of them is one we already covered in voice actors. Uh, I'll just cover them real quick first, because Grox is voiced by Greg Griffin, who we've covered like four times already now, because Greg Griffin voices a lot of side characters in this show, and also our house. Goodness. <laughs> Do you want to know her credits? Go back to whatever episode she first showed up in, in our house episodes early on. <laughs> I don't remember who it was. I just remember we covered her before. Uh, but Double Trouble is voiced by Jacob Tobia. Tobia? Tobia? Uh, Tobia, I think. No, Tobia. Uh, they don't really have any other voice credits, but they at least, like, published their memoir, Sissy, a, gen uh, com ah, a Coming of Gender Story. So that's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. They, they seem like they're, like, I mean, they're, like, way more of a queer activist than, uh, like, a voice actor. I think I feel like that was, like, part of the reason why uh, Nate wanted them, obviously, because it's like, oh, this is a queer person who advocates for queer rights yes let us get a pretty decent get in terms of a voice actor even if you know they don't actually do voice acting as their like job or hobby or anything like that full-time yeah that's rad <laughs> yeah yeah that that's all i kind of had pretty quick and short just because like jacob doesn't have many credits <laughs> and we already covered grox's voice actress multiple times <laughs> <laughs> well yeah that's uh that is pretty quick, nice and easy. Um, I don't believe we have any questions today, but in the future, if you would like to send us questions, you can find us at usweirdoscast on Twitter or send them to usweirdoscast at gmail.com. I'm sorry for that weird cadence. I had to take a breath in the middle of the sentence. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think... I don't know, are we ready for plugs? It feels like we shouldn't be ready for plugs, but also it's been two hours plus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're at almost like two hours twenty according to my audacity. We should probably just do that and get out of here, because it's past midnight. Okay, well, if you like this deranged rambling, you can find me at patch underscore jacket <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, I've been doing a lot of retweets lately. Things have been interesting. The world is changing and staying the same all at once. <laughs> <laughs> That it constantly is, yeah. It's just everything's still the same, but also different in a weirder, different way, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, and as always, I'm at Chloe for Chaos. Uh, all I'm posting about is Splatoon these days, basically, just because there's a lot of Splatoon stuff. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, just yeah, just posting about the Squid Game. Just because, like, I gotten really good with using the Splatoonies and using the Crab Special in it because it's a tank that's a crab. And a lot of people don't realize that it's a very long-range special, and so they try to shoot at you from afar and be like, oh, hey, guess what? I'm a crab. Blap, blap. <laughs> <laughs> yep, crab is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, I think there's not much left to say, but to remember, us yeah, weirdos have, have to stick together. together. Bye. Bye. Shit, I did that too soon. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Oh,